easy way to say this, Chris. This is gonna oh, be boy. a long. Oh, it's gonna be a long episode. So, might as well just get off into it. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the end of time. I'm Michael, and I'm Chris. Unless there's something that uh, maybe happened this last week, like news related or anything like that, that you wanted to get out. Um, I can't. I was. I, can't uh, think. I was skimming through news. Nothing really. <laughs> Nothing yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah, just more de- uh, depression that I hope I'm just completely wrong about. That there's really nothing else to play. <laughs> it's like the rest of my year is kind of done. I can't even play the one game I want to play right now. Well, with that being said, uh, given the content of today's episode, folks, we're just gonna just, just jumping right into it. Uh, I guess I'll kick us off. All right. So my week, my week, my week. I don't think I watched any movies this week. I think I was in between some. Um, yeah, I don't think. Let me double check. Eh, no, not really. Um, kind of in the middle of watching, trying to finish watching uh, Sicario: Day of the Soldado, but I haven't finished it yet. Which Sicario is a very good movie uh, for anybody at all check out no tv shows nothing like that uh pretty game centric week plus i mean this past these past 12 days have been just busy regardless so it is what it is not even gonna be an extensive week for me anyway not just because of the amount of content we got to go through tonight but just in general haven't been playing a whole lot of uh, differing games, I guess you'd say. There is a Metroidvania that I've been working on off and on. Uh, Environment Alpha, I think is what it's called. I actually don't have my Steam up right now. <laughs> but it's it's pretty interesting. Um, it's it, it's very 8-bit style, almost, almost like a 4-bit style graphic scheme. It, I mean, it's a Metroidvania. I, I feel like I'm doing a disservice to all these Metroidvanias when I say that, but yeah, you have to treat me saying I'm playing a Metroidvania as, as though I'm me talking about I'm eating candy. Like, I fucking love candy, <laughs> and I love candy, and I eat it all the time. So, as a, as a treat, as a, I just eat all kinds of candy all the time it's not for me it's not anything bad saying it's just another metroidvania i fucking love those styles i love those games i love the i love the idea of all right explore we're not going to give you a whole lot we're going to give you some ideas of you know you need to go find this thing or go do something to this person or whatever and you go and you find walls and you find doors and you go backtracking. You find weapons or items or, or upgrades or whatnot and you can progress. I love that. I don't know what it is about that. Maybe it's the exploration. Maybe it's the, oh man, I got a new power up. Uh, it could be a combination of all those things. But I love those games. Those are, I, I, I purposely hunt those out both on the console world and in Steam. So, I know it's just a very loose sentence. Yeah, I'm playing another Metroidvania, and it's hard for me to just, you know, unless it has some brand new mechanic, it's hard for me to just spend 20 minutes gushing about a Metroidvania, but that's that's good for me. I'm enjoying it. Well, that kind of leads to the question, well, what is different about this one? What, uh, why this one? 
Yeah, well, the what keeps me going is just the fact that it is a Metroidvania period. It's got that, you know, exploration type gameplay. It's uh the map itself is kind of gridded out like a like Metroid, like Super Metroid. It has d- double jumps, it has a grappling hook, it has uh like a like a teleport slash uh quick dash. It has a couple extra non-standard uh, Metroidvania power-ups, but typically at the end of the day, that's what it is. I mean, you're upgrading your weapon, you're upgrading mm. your mobility, and you're finding keys and ways to unlock. You would think after, oh, I don't know, the 40th one of these I played, I'd be done with this by now, but <laughs> I'm not. I like them. Um, point of fact, uh, un- man, my uh, my top 15 list has been on my mind this year, Chris. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna finally dump this over on you and Adam, and get you two to sit down and get your own little top fifteen, top twenty, whatever list going. Because oh, I, I am now getting to the point where I have not one but two games that are in my mind. To Michael, you might want to think about putting these two on that list. Like you really might want to think about taking something off and putting them on. And I, Hollow Knight is actually one of them. Hollow Knight is that good of a ca- uh, of a uh, Metroidvania. Hmm. Now, Castlevania Symphony of the Night is already on my wall. Uh, so if it's going to go up against anything, it's going to be that. And uh, that's just, man, that's a whole that's a that's a discussion, that's a debate. That's there's a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. It didn't take too much work for Castlevania to get on that list. Period. But for a game to come up and go, yeah, I'll challenge that. It, that should say something to the audience, but yeah, I, I like this formula, man. I like it as much as I like uh, a, a good RPG. It's just, it's just, it's, it's in my wheelhouse. It's something I like. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when I, when I, I'd say like partially free time when I can't, when I'm, when I'm not, when I'm doing something where I can't solely focus on text-based whatever, I'm, I, I'm usually playing, playing that. Uh, up uh, uh, Sekiro update. Guess what, folks? I'm still not playing it, and that's <laughs> really the really all it is to it. If we're being completely honest, I have not looked one time this entire week for a solution. I really haven't. Uh, I, I hate it too. I really do because now people are really starting getting into spoiler territory. You know, it's just people have people have beat this game multiple times over by now. This game is starting to get. Uh, completely just waylaid and you know there's boss strategies being thrown around and there's artwork and 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 gifts and webms of of fights and all this stuff and i'm still doing a fairly good job of dodging everything that i can and trying to keep all this stuff as fresh as possible i feel like i've done a pretty good job but the more that i'm hearing people say this game is like game of the year quality which i mean that's that's subjective i get that it's also a big like buzz thing to say but i know all right folks i know from software i know what their games have to offer and as far as these types of games they have not swung and missed yet at all i mean even if i was to personally rank these games it's not like like okay i i would personally put dark souls 2 closer to the bottom i played all of dark souls 2 okay i enjoyed all of dark souls 2 i didn't 
none of these games are bad and i'm not hearing anything like that with sekiro all i'm hearing is dude this game's fucking great so it does suck that i'm not playing it i'm itching to play it but i'm fucking folding my arms chris i'm i'm standing my ground on this i there is no fucking reason why i should have to play this game any other way than i play any other game it should not be this difficult. I, I don't have some super fucking one-off computer, okay? I could put my specs up anywhere, and you can see it's a pretty standard motherboard, a pretty mm-hmm. standard processor, pretty standard grip video card. I'm using Windows 10. I'm using a wireless Xbox One controller. And for every fucking person that puts their glasses on their nose and goes, well, that's your problem. It's your motherboard, or it's your controller. I say, no. It's not, because here is the laundry list of other Steam games that I play and have zero problems with. It should not be this fucking difficult. I don't have some one, man, you're like one in a million situation. I I don't know what my situation is, but for some reason, it will not work the way I want it to. I don't want to have to reconfigure my color shit every time, and I don't want to play with any amount of lag, whether it's point one seconds or two seconds, I don't. I don't want any input lag. Right. So, I really don't know what I'm going to do, Chris. I really don't. I, I know I talked a big game about probably just going out and buying a console version, mm-hmm. but for myriad reasons, I, I've already got the PC version. I just want to stick with that, and I'll just. I'm, I don't know. Maybe sometime next week, I'll get a bug on my ass and go look online and go try to find some more help. Maybe by now. Damn near a month after release, somebody will have a legitimate fix. But I was turning up way too many dead ends a couple weeks ago, so meh. Sorry, folks. I really do wish I had more to say for Sekiro, but I don't. Maybe in the future, I will. We'll see. So the game that I have been playing the most of, I am still into Danganronpa. Uh, When we recorded last episode, I had only played like an hour or two of it and i hadn't really got to the meat and potatoes of this game now i have and i can tell you uh for starters again if you're a persona fan i would say that while this game is not a persona game there are way too many like direct fucking elbows to persona that you're gonna enjoy this from that perspective you deal with a bunch of, uh, of of PCs, a bunch of player characters. You can interact with them. You have like free time in this school, so you can actually go out and interact with them. Let's scale down on the interactions. You know, it's not twenty paragraphs of dialogue. It's more like, hey, I'm going to hang out with you, and you can give them a gift, and then they'll give you some dialogue if you gave them a gift or if they like you. Uh, what else? What else? The way the menu is laid out, the way that the text falls on screen, how they have different portrait animations for every character. And if they say a sentence that's 15, 20 words long, they'll only like say the first part, like, Hey, I know that where what they were saying was, yeah, now that you mentioned, and I was thinking about that question you asked me the other day and I think I'm aware of, you know, that's just a lot of persona, a lot of persona vibes from this game. Why, but it's just it's not directly uh, a persona style game right so what this game is and what i finally got into the heart of uh spoiler free if just in case i slip up here uh for the audience i would recommend it 
what well how do i know if i'm gonna like this game if you like mysteries and you like talking to people and and gathering clues and figuring out situations and uh you're you're good with you know you're in for like a text-based style lots of dialogue game and especially if you like anything like persona this is going to be up your alley this is going to be up your alley so i do recommend it so from here on out just in case danganronpa 1 spoilers here we go so the premise of this game as spoiler free as i can keep it this kid gets picked to go to this high school and forgive me if I'm raping this. This is bad. I'm just trying to paraphrase it and, and get through it. Uh, this high school was set up to be like, I think, I think it's called Hope's Peak. And it was set to have like the world's greatest students come in. And all the students that are there that you interact with have a gimmick. You have like the ultimate baseball player, the ultimate fashionista, the ultimate pop idol, uh, the ultimate uh, class protege, so on, the ultimate baseball player, so on and so forth. Your character is the only odd character. He was drawn from a lottery, and he just happens to be like, look, look, I'm very middle ground. I'm average at everything. I make average grades. Uh, if I prepare food, it tastes average. It, it, I'm, it's, I'm average at playing sports. I'm just, I'm just middle road. I kind of relate to this guy. A lot, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's it. That's his stick. So he goes to school, immediately gets what he feels like is transported to this other place. Uh, he wakes up and the school is completely locked down. All the windows are like riveted shut with giant steel bolts and plates. There's no way out. Uh, and he finds, I think there's like 12 or 13 other students in this school and they're all locked together. This, uh, antagonist, his name is Momo Monokuma. He is, yes, when you look at the box art, he is the teddy bear that is, uh, half black and half white. The white side <laughs> has like a sunny disposition and the black side has like a, you know, angry face, like killer look to it. It's... That's what his character is. What he is, why he's doing these things, where he comes from, don't really know yet because I'm still early in the game. And there's only like one or two vague things that were thrown out about him. He mentions that he's remotely controlled. He does mention that. But he also makes a joke. I thought it, I think it's a joke anyway. That's like, yeah, they're controlling me from the moon. So I don't know. He, it could be a Dark Knight Joker thing where he's just throwing out shit and it's all bullshit. And you'll never know. I don't know. But anyway. So these kids all wake up. They're talking. They're, they're moving around the school on the floor. A lot of places are like blocked off. But they, they feel they can, gain, they can gain access if they can find keys and whatnot. They're all trying to figure this school out. They're all trying to figure each other out. And then Monokuma shows up and says, hey, everybody gather in a gym. I'm going to explain everything. He got his everybody and said, here's the premise. You got two choices. He says, I, I am bored and I don't, and I want to be entertained. If you can entertain me, I'll, le I'll let you go. And here's how you're going to entertain me. One of you is going to kill another one of you. Somebody is going to become a killer. And there's a stipulation to this. 
if you can kill one of these one of your fellow students and you can do it without getting caught i will let you go i will let you be free i will unlock this place and you can go and everybody else will stay here and die but if you kill somebody and you're found out you're going to die and the process is going to repeat until there's either one person left or all of you fuck up and I'm going to kill all of you. So that's the premise. And as spoiler free as I can keep it, because this in kind of a kind of a persona way, this game does kind of work off a internal clock, not a real world clock. Like, you have certain things you can do throughout the day. You can interact with other people. You can walk all around the school in the areas that are not locked off. And you can just just look at things. Just check things out. There are some video gamey type things. Like, you can find these uh, little hidden coins. And then you can then use those coins to play this little, uh, uh, like, gumball style machine. Mm -hmm. And it gives you a random chance to get an item, and those items you can use to give to the players if you hang out with them. And depending on how much they love that item, they may give you more information. They may become closer to you and, and, and reveal certain things. So, and again, trying to keep the spoiler free, but... So, okay, so I'm telling you this, Chris, and I'm telling the audience mm -hmm. this. Okay, so the idea is a student, a kid... Has to kill another kid, yes. And if they get away with it, then they'll be let go. Yeah, but if they get caught, they get killed. Exactly. Okay, but these are all kids. Yes, they're all like high school kids. Well, they're not going to do that. No, it doesn't make sense. They wouldn't do that. And also, a thing I didn't mention, uh, th they're furnished with everything. Uh, this is something Monokuma tells him. Like, look, there's food here, and I will always supply more food. There are clothes. I will always supply more clothes. You can live here forever if you want to. But I know you all have family. I know you all have friends. Some of you have lovers. Some of you have careers. Like, nobody wants to just be in some place forever. So, yeah, I mean, it would make no sense. They're, they're kids and not going to kill each other. Here's where the dagger starts coming in. Monokuma, after a few days, is like, mm, this is boring. Like, you guys are just fucking walking around high school and you're not doing anything at all. I'm going to do something that's going to make you guys start fucking going at each other. And they're like, whatever, dude, we're not going to kill somebody. And then he starts doing shit. And then shit starts happening. And then he does more shit. And more shit starts happening. Back and forth and he just goes on and on and on. Uh, I do not know how many chapters per se are in this game, but I am only at the, I think I just started the trial version of chapter, a uh, trial section of chapter two, and I've got 10, 15, 20 something hours in. So there's a good hefty bit of content. Uh, so this is the follow up to all this. So let's say something happens. Somebody gets murdered. You have to spend an almost infinite amount of time going around the high school and finding clues. You have to talk to people and get stories straight. You have to go places and find evidence and go, wait a minute, they said they were here, but here is their key. How did they even get here? There's Hold on, let me go back to them. Okay, you said this like you're basically spending time gathering evidence. 
Mm-hmm. And once the game basically flags that you have all the evidence you can possibly get, you hear the bell, ding, 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 and you go to a trial. The way the trial is set up is actually pretty pretty interesting. So you have to present all of your evidence, and it's it's not just your character. It's everybody in the school. Everybody's trying to figure this out. Everybody's trying to figure out who the killer is. And, of course, the killer is one of them. And he's, you know, or she or whatever is trying to not be caught. So they're like, yeah, yeah, this is crazy. Let's talk about this piece of evidence. So one of the, just just an example, one of the characters will start spouting off a sentence like, so yesterday I was walking down the left hall when I saw so-and-so and they had a butcher knife in their hand and the word butcher knife will be highlighted. If you have that clue and you know what that person is saying is incorrect, you quite literally shoot those words because there's a reticle on the screen and you go, hold on. It's kind of like saying objection in the Phoenix Wright things. It goes, no, 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 hold on. So you did walk down the hallway. We can confirm that. But the person he was walking with was there as a witness as well. And he doesn't have a knife. He had a baseball bat. And they go, oh, yeah, that's right. I've got my facts mixed up. I'm sorry. So the game already has a story in place. And line by line, they're throwing out the scenario. And you have to be the one to come in and go, no, that's wrong. Or, yeah, that's right. Just let it go. Uh, and you keep getting this, you keep getting the facts and putting them together and putting them together and then narrowing it down and so on and so forth. And then eventually you'll find out who the person is. And this is where the game almost lost me for a second until I realized I just need to read properly. Uh, (laughs) the last section, the, when it comes to like, okay, I know Chris, I know that you're the killer. You go, no. And I go, yes. And here's why it's, it puts up this little mini game that's almost like a rhythm based mini game is really odd. It's choice of the way that they do these little games in the, in the here. It's fairly fresh, but I kept not getting the way that they wanted the mini game done. I thought I just kept having to press the button to the beat and that wasn't working and that doesn't work. You have to press another button and line the proper words up. And once I figured out what I was doing wrong, it went like a champ. And so on the one hand, if you fuck up and don't put enough truth out there or shoot enough holes in the lies or present enough evidence to where basically the person gets away, there's a cutscene and you all die. I he, there may just be one. I'm not sure. There may be multiple, but or if enough evidence back traces to you and it looks like you're the one who did it, you'll die. But if you play it correctly and you do what you're supposed to and gather the evidence and get the correct uh, stuff together. You'll find who the who the killer is, and they will be executed, and then life will move on. Uh, so as spoiler-free as I can make it, that's the gist of the game. The first, uh, the first case that I went through, I just I take it with a grain of salt because it was the first. You know, there's so many more, there's so many new mechanics you're trying to learn, and I, maybe that was just it was just that way. But I felt it was kind of easy. Matter of fact, when I saw the murder scene, I automatically keyed in on one thing and went, oh, well, 
Okay. Well, there you go. Right there. It's obvious. But I still had to go through the motions of getting all the evidence and whatnot. It was pretty interesting. The second one, I've got a fairly good grasp of what's going on, but I don't know if I have it correct. Like, I kind of have the idea, but I don't know if it's right. now. And I'm about to find out because the trial is going to go down in my yeah. next playthrough. And if it's somebody that's a killer, they're gonna be out. They're gonna be outed. They're gonna be executed, and it's gonna whittle down. It's gonna go from, I think there was like 13, 14 students originally, and it's gonna go down and down and down. So I'm, I'm assuming that every chapter is a murderer getting ousted. Uh, very interesting. Uh, we'll see as the game goes how easy these uh, these murder cases get. We'll see how twisty they get. Uh, and if I like it, well, I'll I've got another game lined up behind it. <clears throat> and there's a third one that I haven't purchased yet. I hear that's the creme de la creme of the series. So, but as far as like you know, I, I've never played the Phoenix Wright games, not because they're bad. I just haven't played them, but. This is pretty interesting, you know. This if if Phoenix Wright games are anything like this, where you're basically poking holes in stories and, and bringing out the liars and bringing out the truth, this is actually pretty interesting. And yeah. also, again, the the little mini games and and the 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 different ways that you go about, you know, the trial and everything is is interesting. It's it's pretty yeah. Interesting. I've always I've always wondered what the appeal of the. Uh phoenix Wright games are i haven't seen anything for any of them but just kind of knowing the basis of the game it's like how fun is this actually <laughs> yeah i think the idea again is it's kind of like danganronpa's you know it's like you have evidence put out there like a trial happens and they put mm -hmm. the stuff out there and you go mm, wait a minute you you couldn't have driven well why because you said in your earlier statement that you never learned to drive oh yeah, and you also don't own a vehicle. I, I get it. I, I get where it could be appealing. But yeah, as far as something different and uh, just it, it's it's got me. And I will I will also give major props to the music. As people know, I love video game music, and if a good game like Persona can capture me with a lot of good music, I I was humming music from this. There was like four tracks I was humming from this game day two in my personal life after <laughs> playing it. So definitely some good compositions, some very moody tracks that fit this game really well. So uh, yeah, I recommend definitely for trying. This is definitely. Uh, the 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 only people I've ever heard in my world, <laughs> my existence, that have recommended or even talked about these games, have been uh the Super Best Friends and uh Austin Eruption. I want to say maybe I've heard Easy Allies mention them now and again, but of those those two definitely have been like, look, this is something new. It's out there. It's gonna be a little odd, but check it out, and it's great. And yeah, I can I can see where they like it. I can see. So yeah, that's been my week. Uh Chris. Yeah. What you been up to? Oh man. So it's been a it's been an interesting week, I'll put it that way in gaming. Um mm -hmm. before I get into really the meat of what I was playing, um I have been playing more magic, of course. That's you know, I at least do dailies every day. That's one of my, you know, go to's. But yeah. something I didn't mention last week with the whole um <clears throat> excuse me, tournament they did 
was I was also kind of the uh, first reveal, I think, for cards for the upcoming expansion, uh, War of the Spark. Uh, they had this okay. awesome, pretty epic trailer for it as well. It, it reminds me of something, you know, uh, Blizzard would do. So that uh, should be high praise. <laughs> um, it's, and I, so funny enough, I've talked about how MTG Arena is free and stuff, and you can buy gems and whatnot, but it's really not necessary. And I think the only purchase I had made was the <clears throat> there's a there was a fifteen dollar or five dollar starter bundle uh, one time purchase you could make, which I did because I was having fun with the game. And then when they released the cosmetics, there was I want to say another. Either ten or fifteen dollar thing. It gave you some gems and some uh, some uh, skins. So I did that. But now, after the tournament, or maybe during the whole thing, I don't know when exactly it launched. But there's now a fifty dollar pack you can buy, and it's basically a pre order for the expansion, which is oh, like yeah. the twenty fifth of this month. Um, you get fifty packs in it. Um, holy crap which is yeah that's a ton of packs for a new set um so as soon as i saw it i was like okay (laughs) yeah i immediately bought it because i play the game so much i enjoy it so much and uh this game is so good you know i fully support them on what they've been doing to make it better um and it's still not even i don't even think they've announced they've fully made it the you know version 1.0 i think they're still considering it a beta so good on them and i'll support them you know as long as they continue doing it like this um so the first big game to talk about um for the week and i feel like i'm missing something because i'll think about it as i'm talking because i played on monday of course is mario monday again um i'm continuing with baby kaizo world which is a super mario uh super mario world ROM hack that is, you know, of Kaizo difficulty, which means it's really freaking hard. Um, oh, yeah. And I'm up to 11 exits complete out of the 44. So I did five exits this week. Um, it was really good. I was really happy with uh, up until the last level where I left off. Um, and then it just got dumb. But um, it's, it's an interesting exercise and you know figuring out what you're supposed to be doing um and then executing it you know because you'll go okay well yeah i need to just jump from here to there and that's this part you know that's this jump i just jump here to there but you have to you go okay well is it a full jump is it a partial jump is it a spin jump is it you know do i need speed for it <laughs> so all these mm-hmm. factors you have to figure out and there'll be a chain of you know like 10 plus of these jumps that you having to figure out each step of the way. And if your positioning's wrong or you did, you press the wrong button at the wrong time, just a little bit, just the, you know, a fraction of a second off, you're not going to make it. So that's kind of where I'm at on the uh, level. I left off. There's a series of jumps, which individually they're not bad, but there's one of the jumps near the very end that I cannot figure out how to get consistent. So I can't figure out the part after that because I haven't had enough attempts at it because I keep getting caught on this one that I can't do consistently. 
and I can't figure out why. Because it's like, I either go too far, or I don't go far enough, or I, you know, get halfway, I'm like, in between, it's like, well, there's, it's like, okay, if I hit this jump, then I should, and hit this jump, then I should hit the next one automatically, you know, just because I'm bouncing from one thing to another. No, that's, I die on, you know, the second, or on the third one. Uh, dying on the second one, that just means, you know, I'm probably too uh, far on the left of the first. Uh, these are flying Koopas I'm on. So it probably just means I'm on the, you know, too far left on the first Koopa. So I hit it, hit the second one, and then die on the third one. It's like, well, if I got two of the jumps, I should get three, right? Because <laughs> how am I getting two if I'm doing something wrong? Um, it's, yeah, that, that was very frustrating. And I, I really wanted to beat that level before I uh, ended my stream Monday night. But that's where I'll pick up this Monday. Um, it is what it is. Um I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's a nice challenge. Uh, this is one of the easier ones, so it I'm having a hard time with it, but the more I play it, you know, the stuff I've already done becomes easier. Uh, once yeah. you figured it out and just have to do execution, it's a little bit easier. Um, figuring it out is a lot of the challenge. So Yeah. All right. So the big thing for me this week is I'm doing something a little special this week. Um, okay. I decided for a reason um, to do with my stream that I was like, you know, I, I want to go back and play Lunar so I can uh, look at some stuff throughout the game. And I was like, you know what? I, I keep talking. We, I mean, we just had the uh, recently the game of the year for 1996, uh, mm -hmm. which was when uh, the Lunar remake was made. Um, I was like, you know what? I keep talking about the differences and how much I don't like, you know, the PlayStation version, but it's still Lunar, right? So, um, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to play both at the same time. So I pulled both games up on my screen and I'm playing, you know, section by section. I'll do, you know, okay, this part of Sega CD, pause it. All right, go to PlayStation to the uh, Silver Star Story uh, Complete, play that section. And then talk about the differences of what, you know, is going on. Um, and I've been having a lot of fun with it, um, except for the fact that I now realize and remember just how bad the remake actually is. Oh, no. Um, like, I loaded up the games and I just like, all right, here's the intro for each. The intro song wasn't there on the remake, which I completely forgot. I thought they brought it over. And the intro song on oh, Sega man. City is one of my favorite tracks ever. So mm -hmm. I was like... All right, not off to a good start. <laughs> and then as soon as, you know, uh, you hear Alex, the main character, you hear his voice. It's like he doesn't have a voice in Sega City, you know? Um, mm. Well, for most of it. There, there are a couple parts where, you know, he has a couple of lines, but he doesn't constantly talk. Either yeah. vocally, you know, as in someone recorded his voice, or in text boxes. Um, I actually found a text box in the Sega CD version I didn't even know was there with his dialogue. So he has, you know, more lines than I even thought, but still, that's how little it is that this, like, one line <laughs> I didn't know existed um, or I'd forgotten a long time ago. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really sad how little justice they did the game in the remake. Um, they completely changed around plot points in a lot of cases. Um, they gave characters a lot of unnecessary dialogue just to try to 
emphasize, you know, like, yeah, Nash is a jerk, but boy, did they go overboard with it in uh, the PlayStation version. You know, it's mm-hmm. not as subtle. It's, you know, instead of one line going, yeah, you guys are beneath me. He's like, yeah, I'm better. This is why you suck, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, I get it. He's he's a bit of a jerk. That's, yes, we know. <laughs> Stop doing that every time he speaks. We don't have to hate every word out of his mouth, you know? Um, yeah. So it's... Ah, man. But it's been fun to play through Lunar um, again and do this. as It's just a little neat little uh, experiment, you know, to try play through an original and a remake and just compare all these differences. Um, on that note... <clears throat> Before we get into today's topic, I would like to present a motion to the podcast. This is interesting. Um, Going back to the Game of the Year 1996 results, um, we had Lunar, Silver Star Story Complete, as fourth on the rankings. Um, I would propose that it goes to the bottom. Oh, wow. That bad, huh? Oh, yeah. Everything about this game, playing through it, I'm having a miserable time with the remake in a lot of places. Uh, The combat isn't fun. They, I I remember the combat system being different, but not that they completely took out the original spells and replace them with things that didn't make sense. Um, I just, yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you know what? I, uh, I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> I can't see a reason why. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't really have the list handy, Chris. Uh, <laughs> Let me see if we still... Do we still have... Yeah, I have it unhidden right now. Okay, we'll take a list. So if we did that, it would be taking out... uh, uh, Okay, worse than Pokemon Red and Blue? Yeah, all the way at the bottom. (laughs) Yeah. If if Uh, I had those sitting next to me, I would play Pokemon over this game now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure the audience can weigh in. Please uh, email, message, contact us, however you want to, uh, especially if you're uh, vehement, vehemently against this. Uh, try to tell Chris why this is not so, but uh, when somebody is passionate about a franchise and a series, like Chris is with Lunar, kind of say that his his judgment is pretty solid. Yep, and I'm still going to continue streaming it until I beat the game, and I might do it with Lunar 2, even though Lunar 2 isn't as high up there on my, you know, uh, enjoyment levels. I think I'm mm-hmm. I'm probably going to do this with Lunar 2. Um, so yeah, I'm always open to debate on my uh, Twitch channel as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is wow. it for my week. Wow, we blew through that way quicker than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) But it may be, it's probably good that we did, though. Trying to pull my uh, spreadsheet back up and look. I think when I counted, 
just my games alone. I think there were 47 games I put on there. So, let's see, seven. There's 40 something games on there. There are 42 awesome. right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot of games to go through. So even <laughs> if this this year doesn't turn out to be some stellar banner year, uh, that's a lot of games. Um, anyway, I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, all right, folks, today's topic, <laughs> as you can obviously tell from the title, we are doing another game of the year. I'm sorry. We're doing another end of time cast year in review. So this is a series that we've been doing for some time now. And it's essentially us going back to that year in time and reviewing what came out that year, both in what we used to do was solely video game releases. We've been trying to add some more game news. Uh, you know What happened? Like, did, 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 did new magazines come out? Did consoles get discontinued? Was there some big, like, to-do, like the ESRB or some lawsuit? What consoles may have got released? We try to add the, the news like that as well. But the main, the main topic of it, the main idea of the topic is to go over games that are notable th- that year. And the notable is subjective to us. So mainly it's games that either won and primarily games that we have played and wish to talk about, whether they're bad or good, but also games that are like, maybe we didn't play even though they were super popular. For example, when 2018 rolls around, we'll talk about Fortnite because Fortnite was fucking huge. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, but... I didn't play it, so I can't really talk about it. But it's mm-hmm. undeniable how popular PUBG was. So that's the idea for these topics. And like I said, we've been doing it since you know the '80s, and eventually these will catch up to the the current year that we're at, and it'll be almost like an end of the year, maybe the beginning of the next year thing, where it'll be less. Uh, it might be a combined thing. Or it might be two episodes, maybe more, yeah. depending on how much we have to debate. But yeah, it'll be a year in review and then a game of the year. That's also the spinoff of the episode of this episode that you will hear three, four or five episodes down the road is uh, we will take these games. We will cherry pick our our picks and we will debate them as a in a time cast as in me and chris or me and chris and adam what we decide is our podcast vote for the game of the year but that's later right now we're just gonna go over the year 1997 and talk about it yeah lots of games man uh when i saw that there are one two three four five b's i was like yeah (laughs) oh boy this might be a list and yeah it was and that's good there's not that that that's great when you can come away from a year going I played this and this and this and you just keep on going that's that's a good thing especially if they were all good so some of the news items that I put out at the at the top uh not too many just a few uh there was a newer version uh slash a smaller version of the SNES release in the US this year. This is the one that people may remember. It's a, it's a a gray box again, but a little bit more sleek in design. 
and it's got the yeah. buttons basically on the left-hand side of the console. I mean, it's a smaller version of Super Nintendo. It does the same thing. Uh, I didn't go super in specific of the differences, and I, I don't I don't plan to. But yeah, the uh, the <laughs> the upgraded slash later version of the Super Nintendo was released this year. Uh, this year as well, Sony gave their PlayStation development software out. Uh, to be to, to be worked with on PCs. So this was when the Sony PlayStation development was was really getting underway. Um, the THQ was founded this year. This was I didn't realize that this company was this old. Uh, the, for those that don't know, Darksiders, the uh, I think they're on their third one by now. Uh, Red Faction and Saints Row. That's the company that did this. For some reason, I had it in my head that this game, this company was like in mid-2000s. Nope. 1997. And unfortunately, the uh, the rips of this year, the, the rip in pieces, is uh, Game Gear and Master System. Those two consoles were laid to rest slash discontinued mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. So, all right. Let's get into it, man. So, all these right. are some of the... Or these are our notable games of 1997. First off, and yeah, as the you'll 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 hear these are pretty much in ABC order because we literally just go through the Wikipedia page and just pick them out. And I don't know, we don't really, I don't really see a pointing us shuffling them. I guess we could, but man, no, it is what it is. Uh, Alundra first on the list. Mm-hmm. I played this game. By the way, Chris, refresh my memory. Red, so, I'm sorry, audience can't see this, but we got a <laughs> spreadsheet up. Uh, red is what I've played. Blue is what you've Red's, played, and green is together. No, red's both. both. Okay, green's uh, me, and blue is you. Okay, well, I'm I'm against this. Green is my favorite color, so uh, I know. Throw this out, <laughs> and uh, we'll start over. I actually thought about so, that yeah, earlier uh, when I was recoloring this list. I was like, wait a minute, I've been doing this all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, if you think about it, even that's wrong. Uh, I, whatever. <laughs> Colors don't fucking matter. <laughs> I'm happy that this is the way it is because without, and I should know this, Chris, by looking down the rest of the list, but I like the fact of knowing that you have played Alundra as well. I want to say that I think you and I played Alundra almost the same time in our younger age or am I completely wrong? So I don't know when I actually had hands on it. I realized actually a few years ago that I was mistaking this game and Azura's dreams. Ah, uh, yeah. So I, I actually downloaded a to play and I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> this isn't the game I'm looking for. <laughs> Yeah, so Alundra is a very good, uh, not really side-scrolling, more like top-down action uh, adventure game. This mm-hmm. is essentially the PlayStation's answer to a Zelda game. It's a, I, think, I think that's a fairly accurate that's, way to yeah, That's it. a really good comparison, actually. So... I mean, you're a character. You you you're on this island, 
and you have to explore, you find dungeons, you fight baddies, there's a lot of puzzle solving, there's there's boss conquering, there's item uh, acquisition, there's upgrades, and yeah, I mean, it's... It's a it's a Sony's 32-bit graphics version of uh, their their answer basically to Zelda, and the first time that I played this, Chris, back in the day, I don't think I ever beat it. I think I got several dungeons in, and I don't know if it's a I can't remember if it was a I borrowed it and had to give it back or or mm-hmm. what, but I never beat it. And I picked this up and started playing it again, man, like three, four, five years ago. I was still in my old house. And I went all the way through it and finally beat it. And yeah, it's uh it's it's a pretty good answer to a to a Zelda title. Mm-hmm. Uh sound effects are a little off here and there. Music <laughs> is kinda ho hum. Graphics are pretty nice for what they are. The controls are fairly tight. But yeah, it was okay pretty good yeah the the whole premise of it is kind of interesting too with the whole dream thing um yes but yeah i mean it's a solid game and that i i don't know how much of this game i've actually played <laughs> but yeah. i have watched the speed run of it and that's a very interesting uh from a technical perspective a speed run as well so um oh, yeah. i'd recommend that too for speed run fans Next on the list is a uh, Chris-only game, which I'm kind of ashamed to say that I haven't played it yet. Uh, Armored Core. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now, I will admit I haven't played any of the Armored Cores. I think I acquired a bunch of them so I could try some of them out, but most of them were PlayStation 2 titles. So, and I think the later generations like far evolved from what Armor Court started out as, which is fine. But it's it's a it's just it, as some of the other games in this list are going to be for me, man. It's a it's just a, it's just a victim of circumstance. I just I was never around anybody that had an Armor Core game, and by the time that I was in a situation where I was able to play Armor Core games on my own, I was like, well, fuck, I don't know where to start. Should have started at the, at, the, at the start, but. Mm-hmm. In any event, I, I definitely see armor core games from a distance and go, uh, there's mechs involved. I, I'm down. So tell us about it. Yeah. And I, I did play this, but I also primarily put this on the list because of the series as a whole. You know, this was the first and this was a good start, um, especially, you know, considering it's the PlayStation era. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, it may or may not have aged very well. Probably not. But it's still... For it's you know in 1997 this was a pretty solid game. Uh, it was developed by From Software, so oh. there's always that. Um, it's a third-person uh, mech shooter game, so you run around in your your in your mechs and you know destroy other mechs and you have a little story mission type thing. Um, fun. I don't. I don't know how much, how far I ever got into it. I can't recall the difficulty of it, but I mean, running around in mechs is almost always fun. So, oh yeah, it's that genre alone. And please, audience, well, actually, the fuck out of me on this one. I love to be wrong, but the jump in a mech slash customize a mech and jump in and engage in 
multiple uh, uh, combat with multiple other mechs that are wild varieties. That is a genre that is seems to be sorely lacking in 2019. I know there are some, and I know there are some that are being developed right now. I think there's a couple Steam games that uh, Adams recommended to me. Yeah, I get that there are a couple out there, but if I was to tell Chris to go find me a first-person shooter, he would come back to me with 700 games. I mean, that's a lot. You tell me yeah. a mech game like the one I described earlier, it's few and far between. So, you just you just triggered a memory for me. You mentioned a first-person shooter. I didn't even put on my list, um, but the other game I'd been talk I'd been playing over the weekend, which is why my timeline was off, was Satisfactory. Um, okay, yeah, so, I, you could you could zap some in if you need to. Go ahead. Um, I I put in a lot of hours. I think Saturday I, I streamed it for like eleven hours straight. And that's so good, um, man. I because I was like, all right, love I love that you're enjoying this game. Yeah, I was like, all right, I'm I have a goal. I want to get there, and I completely scrapped what I did the day before. Like on that mm-hmm. Thursday, um, I had you know rebuilt my little factory, and then Saturday I completely scrapped that because I didn't like it anymore after I had two days to think about it. <laughs> so. I spent that time rebuilding and then moving on and uh, across those two days finally got to the point where I'm like, all right, I think I'm done with the game until they release, you know, the final version. Because um, uh-huh. I'm getting to the point where things are mostly done, but there's still some things you can't really go farther. So I'm like, okay, this is a good stopping point um, before, uh, before release. Yeah, I'm I'm still happy, man. I'm glad that that game is soaking up time like that. It lets me know that like you tried it and you're like, oh, I'm in. I'm all in. Yep. And maybe it's just my pessimism over the rest of this year, but that's one of the main reasons why I'm glad. <laughs> I just I just yeah. don't know what else this year is going to make me go, <gasps> Nani? And that's kind of why I went back to Lunar because I was like, man, there's what do I really want to play right la- right now. And I'm like. I don't really, really, really want to play anything at the moment. There's nothing jumping out going, you know, play me, play me. I'm like, all right, I got a week until Anno comes out. <laughs> so let's play Lunar. <laughs> I think, and I think, and the audience will agree with me on this, and this is a perfect time for the backlog. This is the perfect yeah. time to go back and start getting some of those games uh, filled out. Maybe I'll start doing that after... Uh, We'll see. We'll see what Danganronpa plays out, and we'll see if there's anything <laughs> else we want to play at. But yeah, this is this is good time. I mean, again, unless I can find some game out there that's going to be coming out that really is just makes me stop everything else, then yeah, several months in this year to go back and get some games worked on started. Hell, for the first time, much less go back and finish what I never started. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me. So back on track. Yep. Uh, yeah, Armor Core. I, I salute you from a distance. I I will. <laughs> hey, maybe I'll get into play one this year. We'll see. But uh, another game that I don't know. I, I don't even. I don't believe that I have played As Your Dreams. I had to. I took a brief pause on it, looked up a trailer, I looked up some footage, and I don't feel like I know this game, but mm-hmm. I feel like I have played it before. I just don't know how, or I mean, a way Yeah, or this how was long. an indie game, so that may be where you got a brief look at it. 
Yeah. Um, so this is another all you. <laughs> yeah. So this game is is one I have wanted to go back and finish, and I actually restarted it. I want to say last year, maybe or the year before. Uh, obviously didn't finish it yet, but <laughs> I, I need to get back to that. Um, see if I can find my saves on my computer. Um, but so Azure Dreams is it's a RPG mixed with uh some what's I don't even know what to compare it. some Pokemon like features mixed with it's a rogue like um so you have your character and there is a tower at your this little city you're at um you know you have your city and your buildings and on then up above that you have the tower and the premise is every time you enter the tower it's different and what you're doing is you enter the tower uh you get a familiar uh at the beginning of the game and the goal is to you know reach the top of the tower to find out you know the story uh resolution but along the way you are fighting and taming monsters so excuse me and the uh you use the monsters to fight along with you and stuff so while you're doing this you're also making money and you can upgrade you know buildings around the town a theater hospital uh gym etc um there are love interests um i don't know how much progress i made with that but um it's a thing. There are many games. Um, so there's all these mechanics to this game, uh, which is one of the reasons why I never finished it because it's, I don't know how long it would take to finish. There's a lot to it though. And just the whole entering the tower, fighting as high as you can get, you know, um, before dying, um, or before exiting. Cause you don't want to die because then you lose all your equipment you have on you. Mm-hmm. so it's very punishing if you push yourself too hard so you're like all right how far do i think i can get all right let's get here and you're like well i could exit or i could keep going um and i think it's one of those things where you only have exits on so many floors i don't think you can exit every floor um maybe it's been a while so don't quote me on that uh but yeah this is super fun game uh and one to this day i still want to go back and finish Mm-hmm. Alright, so next up we got Blast Core. This is a Nintendo 64 game. And definitely a, uh definitely a, a this is something that somebody could pose to me today if I had never played Blast Core and somebody just walked up and said, Hey, I've got this game idea. I get this game. It's got this kind of out there premise. I think you'd be interested. The idea is from the story perspective, there is a very, okay, we're talking very, um, uh, now I'm trying to think of the act, the, the director, the director of The Rock, uh, I'm sorry, Michael Bay. This is very Michael mm-hmm. Bay premise, okay? Don't, don't take it to heart, but there's a nuclear weapons carrying vehicle, a nuclear movement vehicle, tank, whatever, a tanker. Uh, it's a truck with a damn trailer with nukes on the back and it i can't remember if it gets hijacked or if it malfunctions or whatever but the truck is moving forward constantly 
at like five miles an hour. It cannot turn left or right. Nobody can get in to turn it. And when they got in and turned it, it didn't turn. It's just going in a straight line. Uh, and they can't stop it. If this truck has so much vibration, or or more specifically, if this truck bumps in or rams into something, the nukes go off. Uh, so this team is called in, this demolition team called the Blast Corps. And their job, your job, is to get in the front, is to get in front of this vehicle in its, in its path and clear out everything. Mountains, buildings, houses, uh, you know, water, water towers, trees, you name it. Uh, sometimes you have to move things like, uh, there's a, uh, for example, there's a, a part where there's, it's, it's going to basically go over a body of water and it's not driving over a bridge and they can't turn to go to the bridge. So you have to make a bridge, stuff like that. Uh, that premise alone is like, okay, okay. And the, uh, the, the vehicles that you get in, they range from anywhere from like a standard bulldozer to a dump truck, which, okay, so the bulldozer, you use a blade to shove into things and destroy it. The dump truck, you actually, you actually, uh, do like donuts and stuff. You, you skid basically the back end of the bulldozer or the dump truck into things to just to demolish it you have cars that you do the same thing i feel like there's a word there chris that i'm being really stupid today and can't think of the word what is it whenever you have a vehicle and you sharply turn and apply the brakes at the same time and you uh, skid? power slide yeah power slide thank you that's 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 what i'm looking for <laughs> Um, I feel like there's a more generic real world car phrase, but power slide works perfect because us video gamers have to play Super Mario 64 or Mario Kart 64 know what that is. Uh, so most of the standard four wheeled vehicles, like the trucks and the cars you get, they, that's typically what you do. You'll power slide into something and destroy it. You also have these, uh, bipedal robot things that you, one, you basically use it to roll into, so you'll get a running start, and he'll the robot will duck down, and you'll go into this giant mechanical rolling ball, and that will demolish things. You have another one that has these jetpacks, and you will fly up into the air and basically do like a Mario-style butt stomp, but with your feet, actually. So you'll flip in the air and propel yourself downward on top of things to destroy them. Really cool premise. The having it sold to me that way was we're talking again in, in 98, 99 when I played this game. Uh, very interesting mechanics. Very cool, cool premise. Very cool setup. And the more I played it, the more I enjoyed it. For those that want to play this game, I have played it within the past three or four years. It is still accessible to this day, still playable. I've never seen another game that came close to this. I don't, there, I don't know if there's ever been a remaster. It may have been re-released on some, maybe like an Xbox Live or something. But from the graphics to the music to all, everything holds up. But I will challenge you. Oh, I will warn you. This game does get challenging the further you go in. A little over past the halfway, maybe even maybe even the three quarter mark, these challenges, these levels get really hard. 
I mean, you'll see the truck coming and it's like you got 40 seconds to get the first things knocked out and they're very difficult. You got to switch vehicles. You have to race back to where you are. You have to make like hairpin turns right on track. You have to, you know, if you're using the bipedal robot, you have to roll at the right angle and get as much of the damage done as you can. But in that challenge is also the fun of this game. It never steers away from the premise. You're trying to clear out everything in the path of this oncoming vehicle and or trying to make a path for it to safely travel forward. I want to say that I have beaten this game at least once. I have gotten pr I've gotten pretty far in getting 100%, but if you, the base game alone it already gets very challenging toward the end. The challenges man, the challenges get fucking they're critical. I mean, you've got a five-minute level, and you have like half a second of playtime, of, of, of wiggle room. It's <laughs> you have to make the exact precise turns. You have to get out of the vehicle at the precise time. You got to line up the vehicle to where you can get out of one and get in another one correct at the, at the exact right time. You have to, you know, if there's five buildings, you have to get all five in one go. If you get four and a half, that's not good enough. It, Think GDQ levels of, of precision, and those challenges get that difficult. But again, in those in that difficulty, I still found it fun. So I recommend it, again, even to this day. I think it's cool. I think that's just a solid fucking premise. Very cartoony out there, like whatever, but you play it and you have a really good time. Mm -hmm. Bloody Roar, this is a PlayStation title. Uh, from 1997 the premise for this is a fighting game and you can you have two forms a human form and a beast form so your character i believe on a whim can press a combination of buttons and change into an animal there's there's a wolf there's a tiger there's a mole there's a rabbit all kind of all kind of uh, animals. At the end of the day, unfortunately for me, as most of these, as some of the other games in this list, and most all of them in this category are for me, this is a fighting game. So even when I played this back in the day, I did have fun turning into animals and trying out the roster. Uh, I think I had the most fun with. Uh, uh, I'm probably going to get his name wrong. It's not Byaku. I, f I forget his name, but he was the mole character. I liked him the most. But at the end of the day, and I honestly have, it's been so long. It's been uh, 98, 99 since I played this game. I don't remember if you had characters you could unlock, but once I did what I could do in the game, I said, all right, well, time to move on. And, and I did. But, you know, for, for, for what it is, for the idea of transforming into beasts, it was sure yeah, it was pretty cool. I'm guessing you never played this, Chris, since you didn't have a. Nope. This wasn't on your list. <laughs> never. Yeah. I don't even think I ever heard of it. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, they've had several sequels to this. Uh, I'm not even gonna try to guess at a at, a, at an amount. Because I don't want to be wrong, but the, the the series seemed to catch on for for a good while. But yeah, again, because it was a fighting game, once I did, once I got the characters or whatever in the game unlocked, I just I just kind of moved on. I'm frantically searching for that character's name because it's the only, you would think that this game that dealt with uh, that that had a bunny as a character that would be my go to. 
but uh, no, I like this. Yeah, ba- Bakuryu was his name. Yeah, and he could turn into a, a mole. He did a lot of like slashing combos and whatnot, so that's about the best that I remember. Uh, Bomberman 64. I'm so glad you played this, Chris. Why don't you go off? Why don't you lead this one off? Yeah, I mean, Bomberman is one of those games where you can just pick it up and have fun for however long you want and then put it back down until next time. <laughs> and uh, Bomberman 64 was no no different there. Uh, I'm trying to think uh, how... Was this the... Well, okay, it is the first 3D game in the Bomberman series. That's what I was trying to think of. I'd um, say so, yeah. Yeah, being on the 64. Um, yeah, it's just you run around, you drop bombs and try to blow up uh, other things. Um, refresh my memory. What? How did 64 take advantage of the 3D? Mainly with the analog stick and being in 3D. Uh, also having uh, multi-tiered like floors, so you could walk up pathways. You could create. You could use bombs to create stairways up. Um, that's really all. Uh, that's really what it was. And also this game. So thinking back to older Bomberman games. Uh, mm-hmm. What I or what what I feel the general world knows about Bomberman. When you think of a Bomberman game, it's a top-down view, and there's like almost what looks like a maze set up. So a bunch of brick walls, and these you know however many, usually like four Bombermen, are running around this cave and and uh and and dropping bombs down and trying to either open up new pathways and or destroy the other Bombermen. That's that is in this game, but done on a 3D level. For one, Bomberman 64, I believe it. while it had a multiplayer game or a multiplayer variant, that it was predominantly a single-player game. So there, there was an adventure storyline added to this game. And there were... Uh, it was like a giant kingdom with multiple areas, and every area had, you know, multiple other areas, stages inside the areas. And... You ran around as Bomberman dropping bombs and blowing up things and gaining power-ups. Uh, and and a fairly good amount of puzzle solving as well, as far as like terrain navigation. Trying to get from point A to point B. Uh, so yeah, just the, just the Bomberman formula that you know, but set in more of a adventure style mindset. Your power ups are still there. You're still, of course, using bombs to destroy things, but you're also using them to solve puzzles and and traverse terrain. Uh, much like Blast Core, I will also warn the audience: this game as well does get fairly difficult later on. I've watched some speed runs of this as well, and it's crazy seeing what... It's always crazy seeing what GDQ runners do, what any speedrunner can do to a game, but even they'll tell you, like, some of these puzzles, especially if you're trying to get, like, all the medallions and everything in the game, they get they get very difficult later on. Uh, an example is, so in this game, if, let's say you're Bomberman, you're walking forward, there's a pit there. Bomberman cannot jump. He does not jump in this game. 
but you can throw down a bomb into the pit. You can throw a bomb down and kick it into the pit. And then when Bomberman moves forward, he bounces off the bomb. Extrapolate that. Because later on, you can you you can do that an infinite amount of times. You can drop a bomb down and then drop another bomb on top of it, which makes the first the second bomb jump a little higher and get and it lets you get to, it's it gets very puzzle intensive. <laughs> and I can't remember if it's time that is the major killer or if it's just maybe you destroying things that you shouldn't you know, since you blew up this wall now or this this box, you needed that box to reverse, but now you don't have it there, so you have to go back. But in any event, the challenges in this game do get very intense. As far as a just a puzzle adventure style game, man, I love this game. I have I've always had a good time with it. It's amazing how little this game gets talked about, but it's it was fun for the sixty four. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I agree, uh, Chris. It used analog stick to a. It used the 3D fairly well. Oh boy, here's a good one. Here's a real <laughs> good one. Breath of Fire Three. This is bar none the best Breath of Fire in existence, in my opinion. Breath of Fire Four comes right underneath it. Probably Breath of Fire Three, Breath of Fire Two. I'm sorry, Breath of Fire 2, then Breath of Fire 1. And for those that are asking about Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I have no idea what that is, so I don't know why there's four Breath of Fires. There is a sixth one, but I think that's like a a phone game, Japan only. I've never played it, so I have nothing to say about it. This right here, Breath of Fire 3. Capcom... RPG, the third in the franchise of the third in the Breath of Fire franchise, and oh man, what 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 can I say bad about this game? I mean, it really isn't a whole lot. You're you're talking about uh, sprite-based graphics with well-designed 3D backgrounds, great music, classic Breath of Fire battle system the 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 dragon gene system for your main character so the idea there is you find these uh crystals all throughout the world and every crystal will let your main character which is inherent in him turn into a type of dragon but you can also mix these genes together either two or three at a time and those combinations will give you a different type of dragon with different more powerful properties and whatnot uh, every character is unique. They all have their own uh, their own story, their own way of playing in battle. The entire story of the game is is phenomenal. I mean, the the dynamic between your main character and your childhood friend and your childhood older brother, so to speak. Uh, it, it just this whole this game. I have played this game multiple times. And I love it. I mean, it's up there in, in my opinion, a severely still unheard of RPG. I would say if I did have a negative, Chris, maybe it would be the desert. Maybe. But I know how to navigate it. I It took me a while to understand it the first time I played it, like everybody else. But I can traverse the desert now and no problem. For the audience that doesn't know, they have a sequence where you have to traverse this huge desert. And they play 
They play a night and day cycle with it. They play on that you have to drink water constantly, but you can only carry so much water. You have to follow the stars, and you have to keep track of what to do at what star. You know, like you like travel 400 steps forward. Once you do, turn until the north star is at your left, and it's it, it's a big to do. It can take you an hour or so to do it in real life, and it's it's like four or five six days in game. But meh, it's fine once you get past that it's it is what it is the rest of that game is so good on so many levels chris i'm glad you yeah. played this what can you tell me about your experiences in breath of fire 3 so i without realizing it kind of ruined my experience with this game um okay it is the only breath of fire i've ever played um i own this game uh-huh. but when i played it and i beat it I cheated. Okay. So I used, you know, Game Shark to get myself up to level 99 rather quickly. Um, which for this game, and I can't remember exact mechanics, so I'd appreciate if you could elaborate on this. But on my understanding after the fact was that there are things that only occur at certain levels. Uh... There was something I, I want to say with the main character's ability or with one, some of the characters' ability, something had a level gap on it, so I like missed all these cool things or something. If I'm not mistaken, and as much as I mm-hmm. love this game, I better not damn be, but... <laughs> so, as you increase levels in this game, abilities unlock. Magic abilities unlock. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's about the extent that I remember. So if you went from 1 to 99, you missed that, you know, getting this spell at level 10, this level at fifth spell at level 15, this at 25, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't remember if specific gene things unlock as your character levels up. I I thought those only occur when you had when you found the genes out in the world, but yeah, that's about the best that I can remember. I mean, aside from the general, you know, I beast this game with one hand. I mean, that right. can usually ruin some experiences. I don't know what storyline you may have ruined for yourself. Yeah, I don't think it's anything story related. I think it was just the experience, uh, aside from just, you know, cheating in general. It was something extra. Um, so this one has always, been, has always been on my list to go back and play properly. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I can give it its proper justice. It's definitely worth it, man. Uh, there are uh, quite a few bosses I, c- I could think of. I mean, right off the bat, there's a uh, a uh, skeleton dragon boss that gave me a hell of a time. But there are definitely some difficult bosses in this game. Uh, the Just the game in general. I've always been a fan. It has our, one of the funniest moments in an RPG I've ever seen. Uh, I won't spoil it, but it, so many moments with this game. I I have so many of the so many of the songs stuck in my head. I have so many of them like on my playlist. So many of the sound effects from the game. Uh, yeah, it's just it's got a special place in my heart. Damn good RPG, and I still I just to this day I still can't believe that as as much as people tout loving like old sprite based graphics. I mean, hello, this game is this game is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk more about Breath of Fire three when that year comes out down the road. But again, that's that that's pretty close, pretty close. But just all aspects of gaming considered, I always prefer three over four. 
So definitely worth mentioning on here. Uh, yeah, Bushido Blade. Uh, this was. Am I still just reading this? Okay. Wait. Did you play Bushido Blade? Nope. Okay. I did. Well, this is going to be actually fairly quick. Uh, I'm about to make a lot of enemies, but that's okay. Uh, Bushido Blade, this is another Square. Remember, as we've discussed before on this ep- on this podcast, Squaresoft went fucking wild. Like, mm-hmm. they just started making all types of games. They made fighters. They made this kind of game. It was like a sword combat game. They made first-person shooters. Uh, I'm sorry. They made uh, uh, shmup games alongside several RPGs with different types of story. Uh, one being mitochondria-related. Another one being like mechs and, and serious religious tones. So, yeah, this is one of those games. From Squaresoft's like, yeah, we do we do all kind of shit time period. And this was a sword combat game. The idea behind this is that instead of fighting games having meters and being, you know, your my super versus your super versus my combo versus your blocking, etc. This was, hey, if I fucking cut your arm off, you're dead. If I stab you in the face, you're dead. If I deal mm-hmm. a mortal blow to you, you're dead. I didn't like Bushido Blade. <laughs> I didn't like it, and I've never played the sequel. I, I borrowed Bushido Blade from someone, and maybe if I had played this with some people, it'd be a little different, but that I just never got my head around, nor did I care to get my head around the mechanics of this game. I would assume that it's kind of a loose version of rock, paper, scissors and in a way that Bushido could be, you know, if I have my blade up in the air and I strike downward, you can strike from the, from below and counter me. And maybe if your blows faster, you'll kill me instead of you, instead of me, you, I I just didn't care. Uh, the music and the, the idea of the game, those aspects were very interesting to me but actually playing the game i was like nah nah i'm good (laughs) so moving right along castlevania symphony of the night chris you never played this i i don't recall ever playing it wow so very important game for me as i mentioned earlier this game is on my top 15 of all time it is justly deserved to this while there are other games before this, kind of, we'll, we'll say uh, Simon's Quest as an example, I feel that Symphony of the Night was almost a Final Fantasy VII level of popularity for Metroidvania. You know, when people think of Metroidvania games, they think of Super Metroid, and I would argue that they think of Symphony of the Night. You know, it's the, you have this large, sprawling map, and you have multiple places to go. Places are going to be blocked off, and you have to find keys, power-ups. Everything that I said earlier, that's what this game is. What puts this above lots of games like this, for me, one is nostalgia. Got no problem admitting that. I mean, I played this game back in the day, hearing that it was something like Simon's Quest, hearing that it had it, had, it was a Castlevania game, and that had me interested. But then I played it and fell in love 
Uh, so many good things about this game. Number one, off the bat, sprite-based graphics. Again, beautiful, beautiful sprite-based graphics. A lot of Mode 7-ish visuals to a lot of bosses and enemies all over the place. Uh, tons of different enemies. A lot of variety. A lot of different types of things you're going to fight in this game. Two, uh, the music. Phenomenal. Uh, symphony slash rock mixtures. Uh, they they all fit the areas that you that you hear them in. So so much good music in this game. So much good music. Good sound effects as well. Good sound design. Period. Uh, Alucard, the main character, levels up like an RPG character would. So their his stats go up. You can also find weapons and armor and accessories to equip onto Alucard to make him more powerful. And a lot of those weapons that you equip will have different effects. You know, some sometimes they'll throw out blades. Sometimes they'll have like, you'll slash and there'll be like a series of blades in front of you. Well, some weapons have different effects like that. You find relics that let you do different things like change form. You can change into like a mist form, which lets you pass through certain walls. You find like a wolf form that lets you speed across. Just you find uh, familiars that you can bring with you that attack things automatically and just all kind of stuff. What really puts this game on the map for people is the percentage this game is not 100% long. It's 200. I think it's actually 202, 204, something like that. It's it's over 200%. The reason why is you can go through this game A to B. And this is going to take you a while. Going from you go left to right, you find out there's a door. On the right, you need to key forward. You go back to the left, you go up, and you find jump boots that let you find down you let you go down below find a key go back to the door you're going to be doing this for a while you can keep doing that throughout this game and there's multiple enemies multiple bosses multiple passages etc and then you can beat the game and you'll get an ending and then that's it but there is a secret boss that when you beat him the whole entire castle that you just fought in gets flipped upside down New enemies, new bosses, new everything, pretty much, except for the place, except for the fact that you're that you're fighting in the same castle upside down. So the terrain looks familiar, but it's also new. And there, uh, what what the, what this really should translate to the audience, what it translated to me at a young age, content. There's a lot of shit to do in this game. Uh, I mean, just mapping out the game alone is going to take you a long time, but trying to find every relic, trying to find every weapon, all that stuff, it's just, oh, there's just, there is too much to do in this game. And yeah, I've gotten the max percentage at least twice. I think, I think the first time it ever happened, I erroneously, erroneously gave myself the max percentage because it was something crazy, Chris. Like I was in this, the maps are like squared off and I was like up in the top left hand corner of this square and I was mm -hmm. flying up there as like a bat or the mist and I was flying everywhere in that area and I kept pulling the map up and it wouldn't give it to me. Like I, I'd leave the area, I'd come back in, I'd turn the game off, turn it back on, go back. Up. Like it just flat out would not give me that. I'm like, <laughs> come on, man, I'm there. I'm, I'm right here. Just open up and it never did. 
for some reason that never happened on my second time I tried it, but I've got, yeah, I've been all the way through this game. It does get very challenging, does get very difficult, but, oh man, it's just fun. It's, it's, it's lots of fun, lots of fun. If you want a quintessential idea of what a Metroidvania game is, this is one of the old school reasons right here. Castlevania Shift of the Night, rivaled, equaled by a Super Metroid, period. Uh, Clay Fighter 63 and the third. Uh, real quick about this one. I have always had this, uh, this fun little love for the Clay Fighter series. They are arguably garbage when it comes to fighting games. Their controls are a little wonky. Uh, the combos aren't really that good. Like, it's just, it's a very bulky slash broken-ish fighting game, period. I come to this game for the humor. Uh... The combos that they do are, are funny. They have little spoof things they say for combos. Instead of saying like super combo and ultra combo, they say like itty bitty combo and triple brown bitty combo and lame combo, <laughs> like stuff like that. It has a humorous charm to it. Maybe not so much today, but it did for me back in the day. Uh, Darkstalkers 3. I just want to throw out there that Darkstalkers, Dark a Capcom fighting franchise, is still out there, still doing it. And, th I mean, it's it's basically a Street Fighter game, but they put monsters in it. You know, there's there are werewolf, there's a werewolf, a mermaid, a merman, uh, a vampire, a Frankenstein, a cat girl, uh, a yeti. And, it, yeah, they're, they're, they're still doing it in 1997. Diddy Kong Racing. So... This game has a large following and a large fandom, and yes, I have played Diddy Kong Racing, and yes, I have had fun with it, and I I wish you had played this game, Chris, just because, and it's fine if you didn't, because the audience can do this, but I've always wanted to hear people's, people that really love this game, I wanted them to try to help me understand why, even though I played this and Mario Kart 64, and even though I... I feel like there's more that Diddy Kong Racing offered than Mario Kart 64. I still prefer Mario Kart over it. I don't really know how to explain that. Um, there, I, I think part of it might be polish. Um, I've watched the game played, and just looking at it, um, Mario Kart 64 just overall looks like a much more polished, um, well-done game from a you know macro perspective. Yeah, eh, it could be, it could be. Uh, I I I'd have to go look back and find a comparison for what I don't know if it was the weapons that Diddy Kong could Diddy Kong Racing had, or I think there were also uh, other vehicles you could, I think you could race, you could fly. I, I felt like as I was playing Diddy Kong Racing, whenever I played, it's like yeah, this is fun. This is this is kart racing mm -hmm. with stuff involved. Yeah, fun, but. If I had the two side by side, I'd always go back to Mario Kart 64. Oh, yeah. Doom 64. Oh, man. Really brief. It's a Doom game. It was on the 64. It used an analog stick. You have to put yourself in my mind frame, folks. This is back in the day where I still had never played Doom for the PC. And... I had to look at. Uh, I, I'm not trying to defend Doom 64 because I don't think you need to. Uh, I just think <laughs> I need people to understand that, like with the the I, the, it's Doom 64. 
You know, it was yeah. Doom with more. Gra- it was Doom with more graphics added to it, but it was still the same Doom formula. Still had the the uh, the 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 creepy ish uh, music to it. You're slaying demons in hell. That's all it was to it. I played it. I played it through a few times. I enjoyed it. That's that. That's as easy as it gets. Yeah, real real quick for you, um, if you're about to move on, mm-hmm. um, for you and the audience, I just want to make sure uh, you all are aware that I actually did not own a 64 of my own until around 2005. Yeah. Uh, so I only played 64 with friends. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of the games that are single player, even though they're really good, I probably never got a chance to play. Um, like we'll talk about, you know, Goldeneye in a bit. I never played the single player of that. I only played multiplayer because that's the only, you know, time I got to play it was playing mm-hmm. with other people. So, yeah. and even though it was so late in your life, it's you said I play, I mainly play with friends. What a great thing to play with friends. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Know? What a great way to play the Nintendo 64, like the Dreamcast, you know, like the X, the original Xbox, four controller ports. There you go. Mm-hmm. Quite, quite literally, one of the earliest designs for hey, get get three other people together and play these four-player multiplayer games. No wiretap needed, no none of that. And so many 64 games designed around that. So still, good. Good good thing. Uh, Einhander. So, guys and gals, remember earlier when I was talking about Squaresoft doing their thing and making all these crazy games? Here's another one. A shmup. A shoot-em-up, for those that don't know that that phrase uh shoot em up is when you see games that are it, you think of a spaceship either side scrolling or vertically scrolling and you shoot out a bunch of missiles or bullets or lasers or whatever and you're killing everything on the screen that's what this was uh the ship that you fly in and the enemies are all 3d polygon designed however the gameplay is still side scrolling so one beautiful game uh, all, all around the levels that you fight, the, that you fly through, the enemies that you fight, the bosses that you fight, very well designed, all the way around. Uh, great music. I keep saying that because I have to. I love the game. I'm, I love video game music, and the music in this game designed very well. S- sound design all around is what it, good. Uh, you, uh, it's been a while, folks. Uh, please don't kill me, but I don't remember if. <laughs> I want to say that you could pick from different uh, flying craft, and depending Mm -hmm. on what airframe you picked would allow you to do different things, but I also remember, I'm trying to think, yeah, I can't remember if it's like maybe whatever you picked gave you the option to have more weapons or whatever, but I do remember there was another bonus to this game, is there are multiple weapons that you can get. And somehow, whether it's every ship can do this or not, I can't remember, but you can have two weapons at the same time. So you could have a machine gun as your top weapon, so it's just firing out just constant bullets in front of you. And on the bottom, you could have like a, a, like a, a spread gun that was shooting out that way. You could also swap where these... Uh, the position for some for these weapons, so you could be shooting things out of the back instead of in forward, and all of that. Uh, just 
all around. I've played through Iron Hunter multiple times. Uh, it it gets difficult, like any shmup does, and it gets difficult the higher the higher the farther you get in, the farther you go up on the difficulty. But oh man, just a gem for a shmup game. And again, from SquareSoft, this predominantly RPG company knocked a shmup right out of the park, in my opinion. I wish there was more. I wish this game would get up would get updated. But I, I I will tell you, folks, now you can play this game right now as is, and it's it's solid. Holds up just fine. Fallout. This is a Chris. Yeah. This is a Chris one right here, and I can hear the audience. Wait, 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 wait. I know you and Adam talked for a long time about Fallout Three. Yes, I have played Fallout Three and all the expansion to Fallout Three. I've never played Fallout One or Fallout Two, so let's go ahead and get that out right now. <laughs> yeah, and Fallout Three and so on are very different games, and one end I believe too. Um, I have to go back and double check too, but the first one. In this, you know, what I I think it's fair to say a behemoth series at this point. Um, it was a it was an open world game, but it was isometric and it was turn based. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a departure from, or I should say, the new games are a bit of a departure from this. <laughs> um, I did not play this when it came out. I actually went back and tried to play this uh, a few years ago, and it didn't really age well but it wasn't bad um it was it was interesting um i do want to go back and finish it one day uh or at least make more progress but i just wanted to mainly recognize you know the beginnings of this franchise mm-hmm. yeah it's it's grown into quite the quite the game today uh a lot of notoriety with it with the latest one release but mm. <laughs> apparently there you can there's a there's a fallout game out there for everyone one of them is for everyone (laughs) (laughs) uh fighting force i believe there is a fighting force variant on the 64 i'm not sure if that's this one but i do remember the first fighting force for me being on the sony playstation there may have also been one on the dreamcast i'm not sure but regardless fighting force came out this year this is a um, sorry <laughs> the fine. uh the PlayStation was the first version of it but they re-released it on Windows and Nintendo 64. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, this is a 3D beat 'em up. Best way to put it. I don't know how far I ever got into this game. Uh, this is definitely not one that I I've mastered or anything. I made it quite a few quite quite a few levels in, and for a beat 'em up game, it was it was it was pretty good. Unfortunately, I only played this a few times, and this is probably around ninety seven or ninety eight when I did play it. So it's it's been some time, but just figured I'd mention it because it was a beat 'em up and it was a three D beat 'em up, and I enjoyed it what little bit I played. I'm also trying to buy us some time because we got a couple important <laughs> games coming up. And, I mean, they're about to come wham-bam here quick. Yeah. Uh, number one, I can't believe you played this, Chris. This is odd. but <laughs> Right? <laughs> Final Fantasy VII yeah. came out in 1997. Mm-hmm. 
Forgive us, audience, now for any regurgitation that we're about to get into because I realize <laughs> that this is one of those RPGs that we have talked about ad nauseum several times mm-hmm. before. But this is the 97 review, and we kind of talk a little bit about Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, by all means, man. Oh, man. So while. Lunar was essentially the first real RPG I played, or at least got into. Um, Final Fantasy VII, I would say, was the most impactful RPG I ever played. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I mean, just for the, even at the time without even knowing anything about the genre, you know, not even talking about that impact. I'm talking about impact to me as a video game player. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. I mean, the experience of it alone, um, just going through this, experiencing the, you know, story, which was, well, you know, I can understand some people saying it was confusing at parts, you know, whatnot, but overall, a pretty good story and the mechanics to it and how much there was to do. I mean, that's just the bare bone statement for this game. <laughs> mm-hmm. The the materia system is probably still... I'd have to sit down and think of something to, you know, place above. It's probably still one of my favorite systems in an RPG to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, it gave you so many possible combinations of things you could do with your equipment having the slots and linked or unlinked and bonuses, depending which one it was, you know, whether it was armor or weapon and it, the, all the mini games. Uh, there's just, man, what a game. Yeah, this was, and I realized that the the outset hearing people talk about this game has got to be it had to have been unnerving. You know, we're talking about aside from aside from people that has had played say Fantasy Star. You know, mm-hmm. when you think of typical RPGs at this time, they're typically set in a in a fantasy setting. Yeah, you know. They're set in yay olden times, and there's castles and princesses mm-hmm. and magic and all this stuff involved. And here comes Final Fantasy VII, and in a pseudo way, set in a, I don't want to say steampunk, but a somewhat altered steampunk-ish future. You know? It's dealing yeah. with, you're de- there, is a, there is a corporation, so to speak, that has this this overmind mentality that's you know they're, they're the rich on high and they're dumping all over the poor down below there's you know vehicles there's there's fucking cars and motorcycles and shit in this game there, there there's definitely a a healthy mix in this game of somewhat yeah. modern and and yet still older you know rpg mentalities yeah, it's kind of like a alternative technology type yeah. thing. It's not true, you know, at any point in time in history, you know, are all these things together. It's kind of like this is an alternative way technology progressed with Mako, you know, kind of being the core of it. Um, in addition, I I have to sit down and actually look at the lore of the world a little bit. But I imagine just in the context of this, and this is just me guessing for the most part. I would imagine this is kind of what would happen if, um, you know, we start with gasoline, start developing technology, but then mm-hmm. we find, you know, Mako, which mm-hmm. is better than gas and has so much more utility. 
what are all the things we can do? So then we start, you know, training soldiers and, you know, creating materia and building cars and technology and all these machines, uh, you know, airships, what have you, you know, all these things are possible with this new material. Um, but it's not, you know, yeah, it's not, it's not, I wouldn't say it's too futuristic at all. It's a pretty good balance. So there's that to discuss. There's also the story itself. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're dealing with a character that you're, you're going through the story being fed one thing and then slowly over time things things aren't adding up things don't make sense until later the truth gets revealed and it's like wow uh the uh, just taking a couple steps back and, and 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 just adding more light to what chris said earlier i do not think for a moment he was the only one when it comes to you know this was a monumental rpg in my life this game as far as the news as far as media, as far as the population as a whole was concerned, this is the RPG that it not only put all video games further up on the map, but it solidified RPGs on the map. Mm-hmm. And that says a lot. You know, this was from the commercials to the hype, the popularity. This this had people going out and going, what's the, what's the, what's the deal with this guy and the, and the spiky hair and the giant sword? <laughs> and for a lot of people, that's all it took. And then you got into the game and had, you know, iconic characters like Tifa and Cloud and Sephiroth and Anaki mm-hmm. and and uh, the weapons and the Materia magic system and all this stuff. And it's just, it's a very well put together RPG that if you can steal yourself to the understandably dated 1997 uh, crazy wonky polygon graphics still solid game to this day from story to music to all that stuff uh, i played this game a year or two ago and that was one of the things that i really wanted to, i really harped on was that i can't believe how well put together this game really is uh, i can't believe that i didn't realize how well put together it was um yeah everything everything lines up everything fits and it all plays out exceptionally well while not my favorite Final Fantasy, it is definitely up there with the yeah. This is Square got this shit right list. Um, yeah. For more for more current news on Final Fantasy VII, for those that don't know, Final Fantasy VII is supposed to be getting a remake, and <laughs> that release date is question marks. But this is this is like crack for news. This is. People want this. People have been wanting a Final Fantasy VII remake, and it's coming. And it's supposed to have some various changes to the to the game as a whole. That uh, those changes have been met with either fanfare or burn burn the whole house down. So we'll see <laughs> yeah. when the game comes out. But the reason why it gets so much both fanfare and hatred across the board is because this game was so popular. Yeah. I mean, this is. This is the quint the quintessential RPG back then, and it might even still be so to this day. Yeah, I mean it so. sets the bar even to this day of a lot of standards. Mm-hmm. Um, they and, found a good formula to mix a lot of good things. Oh yeah, and if, if any of our audience 
especially those that RPG fans have not played Final Fantasy VII for one reason or another. Uh, maybe you're just in denial about how good a game it is. I know there are those people out there. Um, it, as of two-ish, two and a half weeks ago, it is now available on pretty much everything. Um, they've released nice. the Switch and Xbox One versions. Um, mm-hmm. And that's on top of it already being on PlayStation 4, of course, on Windows, of course, you know, Steam, etc. cetera. Uh, they did release a like straight up Windows at version, but then they released it on Steam as well. Um, but it's also on iOS and Android. Yep. <laughs> so you really have no excuse not to play it other than your... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ma- massive availability, folks. So you have plenty of ways to try it out. And again, it's just... it's not like we're trying to like like pull the wool over anybody's eyes here but mm-hmm. you do need to know that in case that graphic style butts you right in the face from the get go we're talking 1997 and we're talking yeah. about polygon graphics you're going to see characters that look blocky you're going to see some like eh, i can't believe they went with that style you you got to just take that at face value. It's not even that horrible. I mean, there are a lot no. of good magic effects and a lot of good summonings and, mm-hmm. and cut scenes and all. There's stuff to there's stuff to even it out. All, all things just Yeah. All things yeah. all things considered on a 3D scale, for most 3D games do not age well. Final Fantasy 7 does okay. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It held up just fine for me, and I didn't even play like the PC version that had you know, the graphics were a little bit updated. I I played the, the old PlayStation version, just yeah. broke that bad boy out. I have played the PC version just for comparison. And yeah, I mean, it's it's essentially like taking the, 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 the sharpness and toning it up a little bit. It's not like the greatest thing since sliced bread. That's going to be yeah. the remake. The remake's coming out and it's it's RE, Resident Evil remaking. Yeah, it's going to yeah. look completely different, so... It's going to look more we'll like uh, Final Fantasy 15. Right. Right. Um, but as it sits today, I I think Chris agrees as well. Yeah, go 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 play this. See what the hype is about. It it lives up to it even today. Yeah, and going back to the game itself on PlayStation, was this your first multi-disc PlayStation game? Uh I don't know. I could go back through the list of games that came out before this that were on our year in review and see if one mm-hmm. of those matched up. But I would say this was one of the early ones. Yeah. Um, I, oh, I don't want to be wrong there. <laughs> I will say, Chris, that I think mm-hmm. Resident Evil 1 was like, Claire, I mean, uh, Jill was disc was a disc, and Chris was a disc. But I think I I think that's wrong. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I'd have to. I'd, I'd have to research. All right. I was just curious. I think this is the first multi disc game I played, which was kind of mind blowing at the time. Because like, wait, oh, there's yeah. an RPG that needs to be on three CDs. Yep. <laughs> and you understand a lot of that. <laughs> a lot of that goes to pretty much the the, the graphics there's, there's yeah. a lot of movie cut scenes in it but it's not like all the game is large because of that there is a mm. lot folks there's a lot of content in this game <laughs> this is a standard just going through the game this is a standard 60 to 80 hour rpg 
That's yeah. not including going out and getting all the summons and all the materials and God help you mastering all the materials and all that. If you want a chunky RPG, this this is this is that. Yeah. And for reference, kind of the uh the speed run of this, the you know, basically just beating the game, the any percent speed run is like on the original version is under just under eight hours. It's like seven and a half hours, seven forty or something like that. But yeah. the hundred percent run of this game is in the excess of twenty one plus hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot to do. Great game, still holds up. Definitely something for you to check out if you're an RPG fan. J- if anything, just to see, all right, fine, what's this Final Fantasy VII nonsense about? There you go. You'll play it. You'll get something out of it, I guarantee it. Another Final Fantasy that came out in 1997, Final Fantasy Tactics. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. We got two Final Fantasy games this year, but hold up. Can't be. And it's not. Because Final Fantasy VII <laughs> is a standard, as you know, RPG. Final Fantasy Tactics is a tactics-based game. Uh, at yep. this point, Chris, I hadn't played a... This is my first. I never played an Ogre Battle. I forget when Vandal Hearts came out, but even if it did, I didn't play... I, I didn't play any game like that until this. Same. This, yeah. this was my first. Uh, so many great things to say about Final Fantasy Tactics as well. And again, forgive the regurgitation because we have talked ad nauseum about Final Fantasy <laughs> Tactics, but it's such a good game. First off, right off the bat, I do want to throw out the two top qualities of this game for me. is the music and the story. I love the way they talk in this game. The way that the narration and the story plays out reminds me so much of why I loved Final Fantasy XII. It's set in that same type of era, same type of uh, storytelling and mind frame. I love it. Music, all the music is orchestrated, fucking beautifully composed, and I love it. I love it to death. Um, the tactics is tactics, I'll give you that. Uh, it's, you know, you have characters on a grid, there are varying levels of, there are varying, uh, height, varying, varying levels of height across the terrain. Mm-hmm. So you could be fighting on a mountain and you got to climb down, etc., etc. Uh, it's, you know, set your characters up, put them in a party, put them on the field and move them around like chess pieces. That's the easiest way I can explain a tactics game to people that don't know what tactics are. Um, your characters level up in this game. The, the the job system that Final Fantasy is known for is present here, so you can start out as one type of character and level up and cross class and do... You could be a ninja, a dragoon, a summoner, a monk, a thief, a warrior, a paladin, like all those jobs are there. When you want to look at, say, Final Fantasy fourteen and go, what job should they put in next? Look at Final Fantasy Tactics, because <laughs> damn near they're all there. Yeah. Uh, the story of this game, I, I, I got to hammer that home, man. This, Okay, uh, here, here's what we'll do, folks. I'm going to ask you a simple question. Do you like Game of Thrones? You go, okay, well, yeah, of course I do. Who doesn't, right? <laughs> okay. Do you like the way that that story is done? Like, there's so much, there's political intrigue, there's backstabbing, there's who did what, there's figuring all this shit out. There's Final Fantasy Tactics for you. That's predominantly what that story revolves around, and it does it so well. It gets a little out there. 
It has. It's not all about ye old knights. It, it goes into some cultish stuff and all that, but it all fits. And it's just it's it's a solid story. It's a solid game. Uh, it's not for the faint of heart. I can tell you that of the four or five times that I've went through this game, the final like three or four missions will absolutely staple your fucking dick to a wall. I mean, they're they're difficult. Oh, yeah. There are some that are like you need. Here's a list of the like six jobs that you better hope you have two of them because, and this is how you need to have them step by step. Otherwise you're not going to win. They're critical. They're crucial. But honestly, only 20% of the tactics gameplay is why I play this game. I played it to get through the battle and get to the next story and get to the next little, 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 uh, beautifully music accompanied, a little scene of story. Um, yeah, I talked enough, Chris. Go, please. I really, 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 really loved the job system on this game. Mm-hmm. All these options, all the you know combinations that you could do, you know, using abilities from other jobs on the one you're on or your character's on, the whole you know going through hiring you know uh, NPCs to become you know your characters and trying to level them and. Um, I'm I'm trying to think. Uh, you could even you know recruit monsters into your party. Um, yeah, yeah, and have them evolve or whatnot. Um, they didn't have as much customization, but still, I mean, the fact that you can have monsters on your side at all is just another thing to add to the list of all the things you have to keep in mind when you're in combat or, you know, preparing mm-hmm. for combat, you know, later in the yep. game, you're at these really hard parts. And it's like, okay, I have what feels like an infinite combination of things I could be doing. Mm-hmm. How, what, what should I be doing? How do I, what? okay. <sighs> all right. Let's, let's try things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, so again, good. it's 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 not for the faint of heart. It's it's tactics based. So, I mean, you you have to go in with a strat with with a with a strategic mind. You know what what mm-hmm. what do I have? What what classes do I have? What are they available to do? What can they do? How are they going to fa- fare in this terrain? All right, there are the enemies. This is these are the skills the enemies have. Who do I have that can that can combat against that? Who do I have that has the best defense against it? Who's going to survive because of them? All these things. It's that's a lot of thinking when it comes to a tactics game. But with the way that Squaresoft has created these games, they are well designed and and well worth it. And this game again, it's just I, I, I love I love the music and I love the story. That's hate to beat those two home because it's still a video game, but that's that's where my heart is for, for this game. The next on the list, Frogger. This is a yeah. Chris only one right here. I mean, I've played a Frogger, but we're talking Atari, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, one behemoth to another, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Final Fantasy to Frogger. Uh, to some people, they are absolutely on the same level. Um, Frogger, a very popular arcade game um, slash Atari. I guess I didn't. I never played on Atari. I never played really played Atari. Um, yeah. I don't even know if I played Frogger in the arcade, but I did. I did play Frogger on the PlayStation. 
And it's just a remake of the, you know, arcade game uh, with updated 3D graphics, you know, maps were, um, I want to say they started out basically like classic maps and then they introduced you to, you know, new mechanics and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, yeah, it was absolutely a lot of fun. Um, and let's see. Apparently, look, according to the wiki, it was one of the most, or it was one of the best-selling titles for the PlayStation. Good. Which I, that kind of surprises me. I know, I figured it'd be popular, but on PlayStation, not as popular as that, but good for them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and real quick, for those that don't know, Frogger is a game where you control a frog and you're like trying to jump across traffic. (laughs) Mm-hmm. is the basic version of it. Yeah, simple premise, but yeah, fun. It was definitely fun back in the Atari days. It was it's one of those one of those centipede slash uh space invaders level of popularity, you know. Well known, simple mm-hmm. design, but popular. Next up, since you mentioned Titans earlier, yeah, Goldeneye mm-hmm. 007 for the Nintendo 64. A quintessential first-person shooter right here. People say that Halo put first-person shooters on the map as far as consoles are concerned. I would say, yeah, I can see that. But I will definitely say that 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 crown belongs to Goldeneye. Uh, Much like Halo, you're talking about a console uh, first-person shooter for controller ports, so allows for multiplayer. a key difference in the two would be that you could play co-op in Halo. You can't play it in GoldenEye. Yep. Uh, but tons of tons of levels to play through in GoldenEye. All varied. Tons of multiplayer maps. I mean, this this game right here. Th- this is a first-person shooter, kids' fucking childhood right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a young teenager's childhood. The it the game has oh man i'm like i'm visualizing the fucking map screen <laughs> the the mission select screen right now i don't want to cheat i want to say that there are, let's say there's 6 12 8 there's like 20 to 25 levels in this game and the game does a fairly decent job as far as the n64 and polygon graphics and lack of voiceover and all that stuff concerned uh at recreating the movie golden eye I'm a big fan of Goldeneye. I love Goldeneye. It's like one of my, it's like my second or third favorite Gold uh, James Bond movie ever. So that that kind of helps. But you know, you you go through missions and you play out the movie. In in essence, uh, the cool part about it is so if you were to just select their difficulty levels per mission, and if you select an easy difficulty, there's like one thing for you to do. If you select a higher difficulty, there are maybe two or three. Another difficulty, three or four. Uh, and then the hardest difficulty is there's like six to seven things to do. And it, it, it it's all kind of stuff. You know, it's to take out appropriate amount of enemies, do this, do this thing without getting seen. Uh, there's, you know, control towers around the area. You have to disable the control towers, have, or plant bombs in these specific areas, uh, talk to this person and get this information at a, at a specific time, guard this person, stuff like that. 
Uh, every mission has multiple difficulties, and the multiple get difficulties not only mean more gameplay, but there's there are more challenges for you to do, more sh- more shit for you to do in the levels. The single player game is fucking fun as hell. I, I I've gotten 007 difficulty on that game twice, and that's a lot. Especially the later <laughs> levels, they get fucking stupid. You, you're walking around one level that's people could, sh- you know, one shot you. Most of the enemies could one shot you on 007 as it is. Double uh, O agent. Uh, that's just a single player. I already yeah. had tons of fun with the single player. I can play single player today and have a shitload of fun with it. I still enjoy it. I love it. Yes, to this day. People go, wait a minute, how those controls are crazy. And I'll tell you, I cheat like a motherfucker. <laughs> I play GoldenEye <laughs> predominantly the 64 version on an emulator. And I have that emulator set up to where I still use dual sticks, but I have the button. So GoldenEye was played on the 64. For those that don't know, 64 only had one analog stick. If I put a first-person shooter in your hand today and you're playing on a console or a controller, you're going to be looking for those two joysticks. You know, move forward, move forward, move back, turn left, turn right, strafe left, strafe life, right, look up, look down. So in GoldenEye, they had one analog stick. The the other movements were controlled by the C the C stick, the C pad, mm-hmm. which is basically an up down left right. It was basically another D pad. Uh, so you can basically set an emulator, or I think even some of the, the I think in sixty four you can actually set the controls. No, I'm gonna stick with the emulator. You can set the controls to mimic that. So it's a little digital. It's a little wonky. But you can play <laughs> GoldenEye today as if you had two analog sticks. And that's the only way I play. And I still have fun with it. That being said, that's the single player. Single player is still fun. Great. Lots of content. Lots of gameplay. Lots of fun to be had. And lots of challenges to meet. Then you play the multiplayer. As archaic as it was, this I got a unhealthy amount of sleep when playing GoldenEye with friends. <laughs> We're talking up early in the morning, up all night, mm-hmm. one or two hours of sleep, fucking crazy amounts of gameplay, game time in multiplayer. Four-player, split-screen, multiple characters, even though all the characters were all the same except for one. Uh, yeah. I I always pick Boris, honestly, Chris. That was always my go-to. I always felt like Boris was faster. I don't know if that was ever proven. I don't know. I have no science behind it, but I always pick Boris. <laughs> uh, the running joke, um, yes, I know people have heard of this, is playing Odd Job. Odd Job was like half the height of everybody else, so it was hard as hell to hit him, mm-hmm. and yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, okay, so you got four-player, you got multiplayer, multiple maps to play on and all those maps have varying levels uh there's there are different uh heights there are different rooms to go in there are, some have secret rooms uh there are we- there are a variety of items you can pick up like armor uh there are different weapons you can se- you can set the game before you even go in to what kind of weapons you want you want pistols only you want shotguns only you want only automatics you only want rifles uh, slappers, you just want to use hands, do you just want to use rocket launchers, do you just want to use mines, all kind of stuff. There were unlockables slash cheats where you could add all kind of crazy shit like a paintball mode, so whenever you shot the wall or shot people, like multiple col- multicolors come out. 
uh, a big head mode, big hands, all kind of crazy shit. The level of customization, again, we're talking back in 1997 on the Nintendo 64, the level of customization, the level of options to play a multiplayer game was through the roof. Phenomenal. Fun. Just, Just this game was fun in a cart, period. Uh Sorry, Chris, I gush. <laughs> Tell me, I no, know you played absolutely. Goldeneye. Yeah, I mean, I played it with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, that, and that was kind of, really, that was when I played it. Um, the, my friend, my main friend I had that I played 64 with, he had the game, but we usually played Perfect Dark. But Perfect Dark didn't come out until three years after GoldenEye 007. Yep. So, there was a long period of time there where this was the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, lots of fun multiplayer. I lots of fun with you know the proximity uh, mines and turrets and <laughs> everything else. Um, yeah, good times. Yeah, it's uh, I it's really the the sad part about this is um. Oh, by the way, Golden Eye is also on my wall, top fifteen. Nice. Top 15. It's up there with, uh, the, let's see, what other, there's that and Battlefield 3 are on my wall. That's my two first person shooters. So that goes to show you that like that, <laughs> I, I have a high standard when it comes to first person shooters and Battlefield 3 is blows that out of the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, but GoldenEye as well is up there. The sad truth of it is uh, for people that... <sighs> It's hard to say, Chris. If you have never played a first-person shooter, you could probably go back and play this game and maybe kind of engineer yourself into it. You know, you could probably muscle yourself through the things that you don't know are done better today. But if you're coming from... I mean, I don't mind saying it. If you're coming from a Call of Duty, if you're coming from a... If you're coming from an early... Any... Any first-person shooter where you have predominantly played it with a controller and you're used to dual analog sticks, going back and playing GoldenEye is definitely rough. And it's yeah. not just—I mean, it's not just the fault of GoldenEye, folks. It's just a fact of the business that first-person shooters in general typically don't age well. I mean, they just—it's just—it's just the way it works. The controls get better. The controls get tighter. Uh, new control schemes come out new controlling uh uh uh, comforts come out and make old control schemes obsolete it's just the way that first person shooters work uh i mean if you want a prime example go out and play battlefield 5 right now go play it stop playing it go play doom for the super nintendo (laughs) <laughs> I mean, not just the fact that you're playing on a Super Nintendo. I can hear all that. Okay, go play Doom on the PC, regardless. You can't sure. look up. You can't look down. You're always moving around left and right. You're turning. You can strafe as well, but there's no up and down look at all. Uh, there's no reticle. You just point your gun directly in, in their direction and fire, and your bullets magically hurt them. <laughs> so, I mean, so much has changed. And... As far as as far as age is concerned, nah, Goldeneye 007 for the C4 hasn't aged well at all because most pretty much no first person shooters do. But if we we're talking about 1997, oh yeah, Goldeneye is a fucking gem in that year, a gift 
to the gaming world. Uh, Gran Turismo PlayStation yep. title right here. It's all you, Chris. Yeah, so when you think of racing games, um, one of the earlier ones, and I don't even know, I think we're past it at this point, um, should be for sure, um, Ridge Racer. That was, you know, one of the first big racing games. Uh, mm-hmm. Same PlayStation era, etc. Um, but Gran Turismo isn't just a racing game. It's a sim racing game or a simulation racing game. Uh, what's the difference, you ask? Well, it's you're not just picking out of like three or four car presets. This game is based on real cars or similar similar real cars you know um i'm pretty sure they were all licensed cars so they're probably all actual cars but there may be some you know special ones in there Mm -hmm. but for perspective like i when the uh, ps classic came out i did play ridge racer and there were like four cars in it gran turismo the very first gran turismo by the way has 140 cars wow so you have your pick of what you want to race with um, there are only 11 tracks according to the wiki, which seems kind of small, but I guess for one, maybe that is the case. Um, and this isn't the best one in the series either. <laughs> this is just where Gran Turismo started. Um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of time that can be sunk into, uh, picking your car, tuning your car, you know, upgrading your car, etc. That makes this, you know such a a leap from your standard racing game mm-hmm. um and i'll talk about gran turismo a lot more when we get to the second one because that's where i put all my time <laughs> in in the series um yeah. but this is where it started right definitely want to put this on a list of a, of another of a racing franchise that it's up there folks <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's, i just yeah go ahead it's rated as one of the highest video games of all time it has a 95 percent um across all the publications back then um i don't know how updated those are uh, or how you know what time frame that is encompasses but 95 percent that's yes <laughs> yeah 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 so next on the list we have grandia uh i didn't put this down because i don't feel i've given enough justice uh i've played probably the first hour two hours of this game and have put it down uh i played this i think it was last year i tried playing through this maybe it was the year before that i feel like it was last year because i remember talking to you when you were on here mm-hmm. but yeah it's just it, it just it didn't capture me right away uh, immediately right away it could have been one of those games where i got to give it some more time but i didn't but uh my grande is definitely grandia too so I try to go back and play this one. I, so for just for perspective here, folks, I played Grandia 2 on the Dreamcast when it came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, years, we're talking 10, 15 plus years later, I finally got around and going, yeah, I need to go back and play the first one to see what it was like. And it's, a, it's, it's different, of course, because on the Dreamcast, it was a polygon 3D RPG. This one's old school uh, mm-hmm. on the PlayStation. It's it's. Just the game didn't grab me. It's it's fine that every RPG has to, but maybe I should go back and try it again later. Um, but this is definitely another Chris Chris game as well. 
Well, barely. I threw on the list just to talk about it briefly because mm-hmm. I feel like I saw some amount of Grandia. I do have Grandia 2 and I, which I didn't even know I owned until I started looking at something for Dreamcast related. I think we're doing a Dreamcast list. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I own this game. <laughs> uh, the second one, I mean. Um, I I feel like the first one's familiar, but I look at like screenshots and I'm like, I, I don't know. I just, I don't remember anything. <laughs> well, that's fine. It can be a placeholder as well. Uh, the, um, unfortunately, the Grandia series didn't go too far. I know of Grandia 1, 2, and 3. There may be some other ones, I'm not sure. But yeah, I, I came into the middle of that pack. I came in with Grandia 2 and had a had a damn good time. Um, Yeah, well, just, just a little nod to Grandia. You're there. We see mm-hmm. you there. Grand Stream, the Grand Stream Saga. I played through this game one time uh, back in high school, Chris. So again, we're talking fucking two decades ago. A uh, friend of mine got it out of the blue, played it, beat it. Let me borrow it. I I went through it. I wish I could tell you a lot about it. I unfortunately can't because of the time, and I've only played through it once. I do remember there being a thing where. Uh, as you go through the dungeons and levels, you basically kind of piece together armor, like piece by piece. I like get the the gauntlets and the helmet and all, and it all, all the armor like equips to you real time, so you see whatever you put on. And I, nice. I thought it was interesting going through the levels and like getting new armor and seeing what they look like. Um, I don't remember anything about the story, unfortunately. And I don't remember much about the game at all. I just figured I mentioned it. This might be one where I uh, I would go back and just see, like, what the fuck did I play? Because it <laughs> felt like a standard 20, 30, 40-hour RPG. And I, the only thing I remember is the armor. It's bad. Bad me. Yeah. But could be bad on the game. It could be one. I mean, I just kind of went through the game. It might have been just a by-the-numbers RPG, and it didn't have enough to stick out. So it could be bad game. Who knows? Klonoa, Door to Phantom Meal. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, what a charming side-scrolling 3D graphics uh, platforming game. Oh, man, mm-hmm. I'll let you have it for a minute, man. Yeah, this was, this was another one of those PlayStation games of that era. We talked about a few others in the last few years uh, since we've been talking about PlayStation, you know, this kind of generation. It was just a, hey, we don't have to be this, you know, uh, what's the word I want to look for? I, it doesn't have to be this edgy game. It doesn't have to be this serious game. It doesn't, you know, we can take a step back and do something fun, you know. Um, probably a, you know, good comparison to how, like, Mario is just a fun platformer, you know. There's no real seri- seriousness to it, you know, despite the story. Um, and I feel like Klonoa is a similar thing. It was just a fun little platformer. Um, I couldn't tell you anything about the story because I just played it because it was fun. (laughs) Yeah. What about you? I borrowed this game back in the day, I want to say from you. Probably. I I could be wrong. If I forget who, but I remember playing it and I I have not beaten this game all the way through. I feel like I have played like the first four or five levels of this game numerous times. Mm -hmm. I've never just made it all the way through. And I don't know nope. why, because, like I said, this game is charming. It has it has 
good graphics. It has good music. It has cute little sound effects. Everything about it is like, yeah, it's a solid platformer. Uh, and the the idea of you know you grabbing a, an enemy and flipping off of it or throwing it places it adds another control to it that I like. Not the first game that did that this year either, or not the only game this year that had that control scheme, but. Yeah, just all around. There's there are several Klonoa games out there. I think they've had. I think it's had a, a remake here and there as well. So definitely a game to try out. Yeah, I I, I recommend it today. Uh, just a time note here, Chris. This is so crazy. We're two twenty in, and we're about halfway. <laughs> about halfway, a little over halfway. Yeah, I say over halfway. It's just oh man. <laughs> a packed now, now here's the thing though chris let's, let's be real about this now it might it, it's it is packed but it's also packed because you and i have played a lot of these games you oh, know yeah. a year could be packed let's just shit out a number here there could be 300 games that came out in 1997 and there may be 300 that came out in 1998 just so happened uh, we played like 40 this year maybe next year we only played 20 it's just 623 so, <laughs> yeah. the list we used Gotcha. You see that, folks? That's how you well actually somebody right there. <laughs> but yeah, it just could be that we, you know, there's 40 something games in here. We played a lot this year. Maybe we didn't play a lot in the next year. Who knows? But I, I like this. I like that there's a lot of games that came out this year that we were interested in. It's good stuff. <gasps> Marvel Superheroes versus Street Fighter. This is a, a fighting game, uh, arcade, PlayStation, I think Dreamcast as well. Uh, this is when uh, Marvel and Capcom were starting to team up hot and heavy, man. Getting a lot of these games with uh, with the Marvel license and the and the Capcom licenses together. And I played this game a little bit in the arcade. I played it mostly for the PlayStation. It's a uh, sorry, it goes to the fighting stuff again. Uh, once I unlocked or did whatever, I kind of moved on. But I mean, you got uh, it was a game where I could play as Wolverine and Ryu on the same team. Loved it. Had a good time. <laughs> Enjoyed it. Mega Man Legends. Hmm. Yes. So, I have mixed feelings about this, Chris, and I don't fucking know why. I have played through Mega Man Legends multiple times. I've went through the mm-hmm. entire game at least twice. And I enjoy it. I think the voice acting is great. I think the music sets well. The 3D graphics are fine. They're fine. Uh, the upgrading system that you can do with Mega Man is cool. Uh, the story is is all right as well, but I just don't feel that Mega Man Legends enough captures Mega Man for me. It feels like a side story to a Mega Man side story, if that makes if that makes any sure. sense. But it's hard for me to like, I'm not going to shit on it. I'm not going to say it's bad. I'm not even going to say it's okay because I played through this game twice. I was charmed by this game back in the day considerably. But looking on it now, especially with Mega Man Legends 2, man, I don't, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to that year. But <laughs> uh, I, I had yeah. fun. I, I, can't, I can't act like I didn't play it. I'm not going to act like I didn't enjoy it. I did. I played it. I had a good time. But as far as like a 3D Mega Man, I feel this is not the direction I want. I want something else. I, what? I don't know. Game designers, wow me. But, <laughs> you know, I it, this is okay as a game. Yeah. So Mega Man Legends is 
in fact, the only Mega Man game I have ever beat. Wow. Um, this was a, you know, rent from our corner, uh, rental store. Um, I rented it, played it, beat it, returned it. <laughs> mm. I don't remember a whole lot because it was so long ago and I was going through so many games back in, uh, that time frame. Uh, you know, renting and trying to push through in a single night to only have to rent it for one day or, you know, two days tops trying to do. Um, so many of these PlayStation games and games around this time are kind of in that same area for me. Um, but I just remember it being fun. You know, yeah. nothing jumped out at me, but it was just fun. Yeah, the 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 cute design of the serve bots, it fits, it works. All the voice acting and the characters themselves were all done charm. They're they're all charming. There's there's a lot of good stuff in this game. Uh, I think that's good enough. I think I'll leave it there because I, I don't okay. want people to think I don't like the game because I do. Obviously, I did. Mm-hmm. But eh. anyways, anyways, moving on. Mortal <laughs> Kombat Four. Okay, three D Mortal Kombat game. Uh, Mortal Kombat before now. I don't know. Somebody proves me wrong. Uh, which fine, please do. It's fine has predominantly been sprite-based side side view graphics. This was 3D combat. This game blows. <laughs> I borrowed it from somebody back in the day uh on the on the no, sorry, on the uh PlayStation and I thought, yeah, okay, 3D Mortal Kombat. This this could be pretty good. Nope. Wasn't Number one, I, I already suck at fighting games to begin with, so it's not like I was, you know, blowing this this game wide open, but it was hard, clunky. The fatalities suck. The moves suck. The three D. The this transition to three D was just not that good at all. There are characters like Shinnok that have transcended time. You know, they it came. He came from this game. As far as my history, my Mortal Kombat history tells me. So it has some things that have carried forward. But as a Mortal Correct. Kombat entry, <laughs> especially with a direct number on it, you know, you go from Mortal Kombat three. Even if you don't count like Mortal Kombat 3 Ultimate or anything, if it's just Mortal Kombat 3 to this, oh man, step down, step down. Another Mortal Kombat that came out this year, Mortal Kombat Mythology Sub-Zero. This is a Nintendo 64 title. It may have came out for another system or two. I'm not too sure. Uh, but PlayStation the one that I played primarily. It, yep. yep. The one that I played it for was for the N64, and it is a side-scrolling uh uh, platforming <laughs> action-ish game mm-hmm. with f- featuring Sub-Zero as the main character. I think that there were some uh, story scenes in this or cut scenes. Uh, there mm-hmm. was a story to the game. I don't remember the story at all. I the, the controls in the game were a little off. Not exactly the greatest platforming game in the world. Uh, if anything, this was a sound testament that, hey, if you want to make a Mortal Kombat game, guys, just keep it fighting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I. all that aside, you know, sure, Mortal Kombat's a fighting game. When I saw this game, I wanted to play it so bad, and I oh, never yeah. got a chance to. Um, I might actually go back now and play it. This has refreshed that desire in my mind of going, wanting to go back and play it because I never could as a kid. <laughs> yeah. I want to say this game has been speedrun on GDQ before, and I I know there's got to be a speedrunning community around it as a whole, but I be, being the I don't want change 
asshole kid that I was, I had a friend, uh, actually the, the friends at my grand next to my grandmother, uh, that had all the 64 games. They had this game and I always brushed it off to the side. I was like, eh, if I want to play a Mortal Kombat game, I want to play a fighting game. I'm not, I don't know how I feel about this, uh, this, this action platforming game. Uh, and of course, as life happens, I played everything else and eventually got around. All right, fuck it. I'll try it. And I did. And I was like, <laughs> eh, nah, I'm good. So <laughs> I don't even know if I made it past the second or third level. So I might not be the greatest judge for the game, but I remember not mm-hmm. being wowed at all by the game. It's a 35 minute to hour speed run. Wow. Yeah. So if that's a speed run, it may be about a two or three hour game at the most. In in in, in any event, the controls are where it's going to be at, and I was like, meh. <laughs> uh, NFL Blitz, of course, folks. I don't play sports games at all. Wait, we, so we, you skipped two games, did I? <gasps> uh, Mischief how Makers. Did I, whoa! How did I do that? I skipped three. Okay, let's rewind this oh, fucking yeah, yeah, tape. Yeah. Yeah, oh, did. I know why. I scrolled <laughs> my I scrolled my screen down too far. Okay, I bl- I blame you, uh, spreadsheet, Google Docs, whatever you are. Holy shit! Thank you, Chris. I needed that because <laughs> I skipped over my let's see yeah my second favorite Mega Man of all time Mega Man X4 oh man this game is so fucking good in the Mega Man franchise so I want to take people down a little trip here okay you're playing Mega Man X number one you're you're coming from an upgrade from Mega Man 1 through 6 on on the Nintendo and it's leaps and bounds away from any Game Boy Mega Man game. You're playing the Super Nintendo Mega Man. Uh, the graphics, the music, everything is already wowing you. At the very big, at the very end of the intro stage, you get int- introduced to a new character uh, named Zero. He is a badass. He's got long, like a blonde ponytail, and red armor, and a sword. And he is way more powerful than you. And he comes in and saves your ass and says, "Hey, don't worry, X." You'll be powerful like me one day. Go go Google search uh, Ego Raptors Mega Man X retrospective, and uh, and there you go. That's all you need to know. So in Mega Man X, you never get to play as Zero. He's there. You get to see how badass he is, and eventually, over time, uh, you get to be as powerful, if not more powerful, than him. Good progression in Mega Man X. Mega Man X2 comes along. He's there again. You still can't play as him. You have a little bit more story involvement with him. uh, But he's just there, again, being a badass character. Mega Man X3 rolls around. They say the big tagline that I remember was that, hey, you can play as Zero in this game. Chris, I would have fucking murdered somebody to play that game when I was that age. (laughs) <laughs> they told you you could play as Zero. I, I stopped reading there. I didn't read past that where people said, whoa, whoa, fucking time out. You don't just play as Zero. It's not like you pick the character. There's a certain set of circumstances that let you play as him. Like, and forgive me, folks, I've only played through X3 like two or three times. But, like, you can only select him in certain levels. And if he dies, you can never play as him ever again so he's more like a helper character that you can use like a few times 
it's not the not the definition of play a zero. You can sometimes play a zero under certain conditions for certain amounts of time. But I didn't know that. I was this I was this kid back in back in the Mega Man X3 time frame going I I couldn't find the game anywhere. I couldn't find anybody that had it. I couldn't rent it from anywhere, but I wanted to because I wanted to play a zero. That was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aside the fact that it's a new Mega Man, Chris, with new powers and new bosses and new Mega Man period, that's already right. a fuel for me. But they said you could play a zero. I was like, ah! Never got to play it till way, way later. Mega Man X4 comes along. Unfortunately, I got I only I played this way after the fact. So we're talking 2001, 2, 3, something like that. Holy shit, right kicked right in the fucking face. When you start this game out, motherfucker, who do you want to play as? Mega Man X or Zero? <laughs> Take your pick. The whole game, the whole fucking campaign all the way through. You fight all eight bosses, fight all the mid bosses, the what the uh the Sigma's levels and the final bosses as X or as Zero fucking love this game the graphics are fucking awesome sprite based side scrolling graphics the music i love all the stage music the bosses i mean it's mega man 8 i mean it's it's mega man 8, it's mega man uh 8 boss style stuff it's, it's no different big whoop don't matter i love it uh each mega man x and zero both have their own story their story is laughable i mean everybody knows the meme of of, of zero going what am i fighting for yeah mm-hmm. it's bad bad boy who the fuck cares i don't it, the game is the, the <laughs> it's fun it's fun 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 if you play as mega man x uh just think of mega man x period because that's that's what this is. You you kill bosses, you defeat bosses, you get their powers. You can use those powers on other bosses. Some may be weak to those, some may be not weak. Whatever. You can have armor upgrades. Uh, an armor piece in particular will let you charge up all those other weapons and give them another form or another ability. So on and so forth. You play a zero. You basically get new moves. You get like a double jump, you get a spin jump, you get a like a rising uh, sword slash, uh, all kind of stuff, and it 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 gives him more power and more maneuverability. I will tell you now, Chris and audience as well. I have no problem admitting I have played through Mega Man X for, say, thirty times in my life, maybe more. <laughs> I've played as Mega Man X maybe three, maybe three. I, I'm I'm giving it three and maybe only twice. Anytime I have, I've done everything though. I've gotten all the armor and all the sub tanks and all that shit. Uh, there is a code that I predominantly use. You can put a code in for Mega Man X, and if I remember right, the Mega Man X code gives him like ultimate armor type stuff at the beginning of the game. For Zero, his code is his his armor turns black, and I predominantly play as the black armor just because it looks cool. Um. I realize this is probably just just talking into an empty hall room, uh, empty hallway because it's Mega Man. People are going, dude, it's another fucking Mega Man. Who cares? I care. <laughs> For whatever reason, the controls, the music, the the action, the fact that you can play a zero predominantly, and it's it's cool as hell to play a zero. Uh, everything about Mega Man X Four, I have put that at my number two Mega Man game of all time. I can go play this right now and have a fucking blast. I love it, and yeah, it came out in 1997. Can't gush enough about it. I really can't. So, audience, if you remember earlier, I was talking about uh, Klonoa, how one of the mechanics 
is you can grab an enemy and then throw it somewhere. So we have a game for the 64 called Mischief, Make- Mischief Makers. Kind of the same premise. It's a side-scrolling uh, action platformer. Very cute, very very uh, stylish design to it. Uh, very Japanese-centric. The way it's it's hard to describe without. I mean, just go take go look at some screenshots of Mischief Makers, and you'll understand. Uh, but the character has a lot of a lot of maneuverability. Apparently, I'm going through puberty today, Chris. Uh, <laughs> it's the second Again. time I've heard I've heard myself do that f- twice now in this episode. Um, welcome to the puberty cast. Uh, oh no, we're not going to make that the title. That's. I don't know. <laughs> I pushed the envelope, but I don't know. I can hear Adam right now. Do it. Do it. Uh, so yeah, but we have standards. <laughs> call out to Adam. Get your ass on this podcast and tell us how you have standards or you don't. Do it. Uh, and again, I hate saying this all the time, but just to give the audience perspective i have not played this game probably since like 2000 2001 so i do apologize if my mischief makers is a little rusty but i do remember one of the mechanics being that you grab an enemy and you could shake it send your character actually goes shake 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 and i don't remember if that like shakes money out or currency or items but i do remember that you could like jump off of them or throw them and it gave you more maneuverability uh throughout the level uh i can't remember if they gave you almost like a double jump so to speak but mm. uh just a fun game it's a side scrolling uh platformer type game so i do believe it holds up to this day so please if i'm butchering how this game is which i know i am go out and give it a try uh find it on, on the 64 however you can find it it's 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 still worth playing through to this day definitely a what the hell is this game about and i played it and went oh this is actually very fun it's up my alley it's a platformer so cool uh and then another game oh man what a what a <laughs> fucking what the hell premise that turned out to be way more fun than i thought it could be Oh yeah, Monster Rancher. Mm-hmm. I played this one for the Sony PlayStation. Uh, Chris, you do the honors, man. Oh man, this is uh, for non RPGs. This is probably the most time I put into a non RPG in the PlayStation era. Um, mm-hmm. The premise of this game is that you are raising and you know breeding and fighting monsters now while that in itself is a you know pretty fun mechanic um the real big thing to this game is where you get the monsters Mm -hmm. so you don't just go out and find them uh you actually go to a shrine to summon them but you summon them using cds from not this game. I mean, you can use the game, but you always get the same thing. You mm-hmm. can take any other game, any music CD, etc., um, and get a monster from it. Uh, yep. There are, like, let's see, about 15 basic monster types, and then there are another, like, nine rare types, and then you can have primary and subtypes of them. So you... I went through, my parents had a lot of music discs. 
Mm. I actually went through and started, you know, making a list because spreadsheets weren't a thing back then, making a paper list of every disc in their collection <laughs> and every monster it gave me going, all right, yep. this is the disc I want to use. All right. Yep. And it's, it's yeah, such a gamble you- and there's no like pattern to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was the same way, man. I had a notebook. I'd grab a disc. I'd write the disc title down, and I'd, this is what I got. If I, if I'm not mistaken, Chris, another mm-hmm. good another part why this got even more crazy is that in order to get certain monster types, you could you could hope there was like a super like I'm just gonna shit something out here. You if you wanted a black dragon, you say, well, fuck, I've gone through 200 discs and I can't get a black dragon. It's like, well, that that black dragon is super rare to get from a disc, but you can take a red fairy and a orange ogre that you got from the fucking Incubus disc and the Metallica disc. You can merge those two, and that's how you can get a black dragon. If I'm not mistaken, um, wasn't that wasn't that something? I think there might be special combinations that will give you something like that, but generally speaking. It, your types can only be the types of what you put into it. Okay. Um, there might be a couple of specials. Yeah, there might be a certain combination that gives you like a dragon type or something, but yeah. I don't recall that offhand. Yeah, but it, it definitely was a. We're, we're talking a OCD like list thing where you're going. I, I was going to school and being like, hey, man. I just like borrow your discography of like everything you have. You, just, <laughs> you had the little CD binder that you throw underneath your seat when you're on your way to school. Can you just let me borrow that for about a day and a half, two days? I just <laughs> and you're at home like just throwing all these discs in, and this is what I get. Reset the game. This is what I get. Oh man, yep. so, so much fun just trying out shit that you get from from different discs. You know, it's such a weird thing too. Yeah. That you wouldn't even really think about it. Um, and then there were special discs too. You know, if it, a lot of times, like if it was a Christmas music CD, it would recognize that and actually give you a Christmas themed monster. Yep. <laughs> little, little charming things put in this game. And yeah, and uh, and you get your monster, you can level them up, you can fight them, you can feed them and raise them and have all sorts of effects and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, just it's it's hard to understand today how that could be charming because it's cds you know he who listens to cds but it was it it Mm. just just what do i get from this disc you know and and trying to come up with meta reasoning like wait a minute so i had this metallica disc and it gave me this monster surely if i put this other metallica disc in it'll give me a different of the same monster nope gave me something else completely different well why did huh it's oh man way way too much fun with this game and there are to this day communities still uh built around making a list of like every cd in existence wow really? <laughs> coming together as a community yeah i i stumbled across someone that's actually speed running uh monster ranch and the way they were speed running was basically you know get beat the s cup you know tournament or whatever was the goal um, right so there were always people experimenting with discs to try to find one that gave a better monster for this purpose <laughs> wow archiving so. monsters and monster rancher to this day that's yeah god i love video games man 
I love this oh, yeah. shit. 20 years later, still yeah. like go at it. <laughs> and and th- there are multiple monster uh, monster ranchers, by the way. There were several out there. and they all. I didn't even know that. The, yeah. They were all pretty much on the same premise, too. You know, you put X thing in and it gives you a certain thing and, you know, good luck. We'll see what you get. Mm-hmm. Love it. Simple premise. Lots of fun. Way more fun than I thought I would have with that just on the outset. On the outset. Uh, so yeah, those are the three that I missed over. Sorry, games, especially you, Mega Man X4. I'm, I do formally apologize to that game. Uh, <laughs> NFL Blitz. Whoa, Michael, you don't play sports games. You're right. I don't, but you can't not talk about NFL Blitz. To me, that's almost equivalent of not talking about like NBA Jam. Uh, this is a football game, very arcadey in nature. Uh, the, the version, the first time I ever played an NFL blitz wasn't in the arcade. It was, uh, on the 64. Uh, and the main takeaway from this is like after hits. That's what a lot of people know this game for is that you could tackle, but then you could have more people in jumping and pile on top of them. And you know, they, they're tackled already down, but you can hit them again, basically. And it was pretty fun. I don't know shit about it because I don't know shit about football aside from the, the basic <laughs> understanding. So just the idea of, of tackling somebody and having like four other people on my on my uh on my team just jumping on top of the dude that was down is pretty fun. Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey. While maybe not yeah. the first uh odd game, oh man. What a game to start this uh, odd odd world franchise, Chris. Tell me yeah. about this game. So, Odd World is you kind of unique. First, if you have a humanoid character, but he's definitely not a human. He is a Madokan, yeah. and they're almost kind of alienish in uh, look. They're tall, gangly uh, things, and the whole premise is essentially you're trying to leave this place while saving as many or as as few of your brethren as you'd like mm-hmm. um and you do this via a lot of crazy platforming and setting up of things and you get some abilities as you go through and it's so unique in how it functions you know Mm -hmm. you're not just you know platforming you're not just getting from point a to point b uh you're doing so with other objectives in mind you know looking for secret areas looking for this and that and uh there's that puzzle element to it to go okay well i see there's a door here where's the lever for the door i don't see the lever you know Mm-hmm. <laughs> or not even being able to do something yourself, having to ask the other Madokans on the screen to do something for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having them flip a lever or uh, hit a switch or something like that. It's a, yeah, that's it's a pretty a big, brutal game too. <laughs> that's a big part of it, right there, is the the fact that Abe could can talk to other to the NPCs he's trying to save, and you could talk to multiple ones at a time. So. You're trying to get all of their attention and guide them through a series of traps, pits, uh, falling things, all this stuff, uh, and trying to get them to safety as as quickly and as safely as you can. Uh, you can also control enemies as well. You get a, a abilities later to let you like talk to enemies and control them, and that's pretty humorous when you hear Abe go like, "Hello," and they go, "What?" <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, just, it had it had its charm. Yeah, you know, and I still think that char- I think it's another game. Thankfully, since the the main mechanic of the Odd World games is puzzle, I think all these games hold up. Um, I was just playing uh, Odd World uh, Stranger's Wrath, which is a departure granted because it's almost like a over the shoulder shooter uh over the shoulder slash first person shooter but yeah the 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 main idea from these odd world games is puzzle solving pretty easy to start with they get way more difficult there's way more to manage way more madokins you got to save way more obstacles to go through and multiple rooms interacting you got to clear one room and go hurry and go through another one hurry go it's 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 challenging but fun yeah, and if you missed it, you are very fortunate because in 2014, they released a uh, digital ver- remake of it, uh, Oddworld New and Tasty. Mm-hmm. Um, I played through that game. I I think I 100 percent it. Yeah. I think I did. Um, yep. And it was, I remember nothing being different. It just looked mm-hmm. a little bit better, but I remember... From what I remember of the old PlayStation version, it's essentially identical, which is perfect. Yeah. It's a facelift, you know, Re- or remaster, so to speak. So, mm-hmm. yeah, still good for trying out. Rival Schools, United by Fate, another fighting game. Uh, this is this had lots of characters to unlock, but I remember the, the gimmick of this being that all that that the, all the the characters you can pick are all school type characters you got a volleyball player a baseball player a soccer player you got the 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 kid with his hands in his pockets all the time uh you got a teacher a gym coach uh all all sorts of uh characters to choose from uh i'm pretty sure it was japanese only voice this is the version that i played so that added some uniqueness to it that you know I still hear the voices in my head and so and uh, especially the intro song to the game, but unfortunately, as all fighting games, it gets relegated into that. Once I did everything, I moved on. I just remember it being you know unique and charming for for what it was, with the characters being from school. RPG Maker came out this year, the first one. Uh, you ever thought about designing your own RPG, folks? Well, here is a game that gives you some basic fundamental stuff and lets you, to a fairly deep degree, uh, create an RPG. I know what this game is, Chris, because I've played Fighter Maker. If I remember right, they're kind of from the same company. If not, doesn't even matter. I know what the game is. It's a make-your-own game. I just never had this one. I never played it. I think the most knowledge I have from this game is that even today, people are still making RPGs from this game and good RPGs like lengthy crazy detailed RPGs so yeah I so this version we're looking at (laughs) I I looked at it at the rental store so many times I was like man that'd be so much fun to rent this and make a game but it's like but I'd be renting and there's no way I'd have enough time and it was such a dilemma I was like oh um, solid logic I, yeah yeah i actually recently bought it um for steam it's like version 19 or whatever 26 i don't know wow um, it wasn't what i wanted at the time for what i was trying to do um when i was you know testing out some game dev stuff but mm-hmm. still uh solid application 
Yeah. I really wish I could tell the audience more about it from details. Like, I don't know how far it goes in to like writing and all that. I've, I've seen some games that have been made from it and I just, you know, it seems extensive, but not a crazy super amount of extension. Yeah, the kind of even to the modern day, the kind of limitation for me is that you're essentially limited to a sort of tile set structure graphically, which for old school games is perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what you want for those games. Uh, but you could set dialogue for NPCs. You could set up triggers for points on the map, you know, for things to happen. You set up your random battles and created all your enemies. Um, I don't know how much, how many presets and stuff like that there were, but you had that. You determined your level rates. Uh, you could set, you know, whether it's a curve or a flat amount to level each time. Uh, it was essentially everything you needed to make an old school RPG. Um, mm-hmm. in a basically like a Final Fantasy type style. Um, and they had, you know, portraits and stuff like that you could use for characters and stuff. So, it had quite a lot to it. Um, and playing it on, you know, Steam now, you just upload your own assets too. So you're oh, not yeah. limited to just what they ship with the application. You just upload what you want. You can make your own sprites and put them in the game. And it basically does everything on the back end for, you know, putting that on your character. Nice. So it's pretty good if you ever wanted to just try out making something. I mean, in essence, you can just see the title. I mean, you know what you're getting into. This is a game that lets you design, to varying degree, an RPG. You know, mm-hmm. it's, that's that's pretty awesome. Just the idea alone is pretty awesome. Snowboard Kids, I got a lot of time out of this on the N- Nintendo 64. Uh, I was like, why the fuck would I care about a snowboard game? Uh, I uh, Just for clarification, I played Final Fantasy VII roughly a year after its release, so I didn't play Final Fantasy VII at this point of release, and I didn't know about the snowboard minigame in that game, so that wasn't where the love came from. I think this was the neighbors of my grandmother, they had the game, and I was like, yeah, sure, it's multiplayer, we'll try it out, and very fun. Got a lot of time out of this. Uh, you're in a downhill slope, you're snowboarding downhill, you have multiple characters, but the main draw is like, think Mario Kart, you have multiple weapons. So you're racing downhill, you're trying to avoid obstacles, but you're also trying to, you know, shoot at or stop or slow down your your uh, opponents, trying to get first place. Uh Surprise hit for me. Got a lot of time out of this. Got a lot of time out of this and 1080 snowboarding, but mainly mainly this one because of the multiplayer aspect to it. Star Fox 64. Boy, Chris, mm-hmm. if I had fucking time on this episode, <laughs> I would make I would I would be on a mountain. This is what needs to be said about Star Fox 64. Okay, number one, duh, great fucking game. If you want a Star Fox game, here you go. You want the idea of what Star Fox game is, right here. But what about Star Fox for the SNES? Yes, that's a good game. This is Star Fox, right here. This is where it is. This is what Nintendo needs to go back to, and only this. (laughs) This is it. I don't, you don't need a fucking gimmicky controls you need this so much about this game for me is what embodies star fox period 
most of the levels, you're flying around in space in your R-Wing behind the plane view. You get upgrades to your R-Wing, which you, you get your lasers become more powerful. You can fire two lasers at once. You get bombs you can throw out. The perspectives can shift from behind the airplane to what they call all-range mode, where it's it's full 3D. You're moving all around the map. Um there's a level where you where you're in a submarine. There's a level where you're on a land rolling tank. Uh, just a, a decent enough story. A charming little Nintendo style story in here. Multiple characters with with for what they were uh, charming and fits their character voice acting on a fucking sixty four cart. Uh, it has multiplayer. The multiplayer is pretty good, but it's just with the amount of levels, it gets kind of it gets it gets kind of stale over time. But the uh, multiple branching paths in this game, this is Star Fox. This is what needs to come back. If they could take this game and they could add five more branches and like thirty more planets and three more submarine levels, three more tank levels, just keep this charm to it and keep this type of design they would be golden but no they had to make a fucking adventure game they had to make a game where some levels you're in an r-wing some levels you're on your foot with a fucking rocket launcher then they brought back what essentially was a star fox 64 remake slash uh spiritual successor but over half the levels you're controlling with your fucking wii u gamepad and it just felt weird and clunky it's ah, I when I want to play Star Fox today, even today, Chris, I just breathe mm-hmm. and I go back to the Star Fox sixty four. Period. <laughs> Tell me some of your experiences with this game. So, I mentioned you know earlier that most of my sixty four experience was multiplayer games, um, and this game does have multiplayer mode, but I don't recall ever you playing it. I recall taking turns playing the story mode. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know why we never played multiplayer. I don't remember much about it, but we would just play through the story and mm-hmm. you know have fun flying around and making fun of some of the dialogue and <laughs> yep, you know going through and just hanging out. Yeah, I played when you weren't around. I played this with you know our grandmother's neighbor quite often in multiplayer. And even when we played it, we did the same thing. We we had way too much fun with just the single player. And the single player in this game is where it's at. I can't I can't stress it enough. If you want, in my opinion, if some if you're okay, I've heard Star Fox. Tell me about it. Show me what I'm in for. This is what I would give you. You can go back and play the Star Fox on the SNES. It is fun. It is entertaining. Yes. But this is what really made it for me. Uh, Street Fighter 3. just want to mention this because Street Fighter finally got its third installment <laughs> after Street Fighter 2 and Street Not Fighter the third 2 game. Champions. <laughs> yeah. Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition and Street Fighter 2 Turbo Edition and Super Street Fighter 2 and Super Street Fighter 2 Ultimate Edition and finally Street Fighter 3. They were starting to get up the chain with the numbers. Uh, this is not my pick for Street Fighter 3. Obviously, Third Strike is mine, but same category fighting games etc yada 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 tales of destiny mm-hmm. i played this game back in the day chris i want to say i borrowed your copy yep and 
I made it so far in this game, and I got stuck in a castle. I was stuck in this castle in real life for, felt like, over two weeks. (laughs) Now, just so we understand, audience, this is not like I had an hour or two and I say, fuck it, I give up. This is me coming home. I'm going to really lay some details out here, okay? This is me coming home from school at about 4.30 in the afternoon, starting this game immediately because fuck homework right right playing this game if you take out you know bath and dinner and brush teeth and shit like that and piss breaks all the way till 10 11 12 o'clock at night and then do it again the next day and then playing for you know from six o'clock in the morning till 11 o'clock and out on the weekend i was stuck in this one fucking palace or castle or whatever for over two weeks and finally just said, I just, I fucking give. I, w- I didn't have a guide. I didn't ask anybody. I, c- I, didn't, I, I didn't have any help. A game shark wouldn't have done any good. Even though I had one, it wouldn't do any good. If you can't solve a puzzle unless you have a code <laughs> yeah. that skips a fucking castle, you're done. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, I put this game down a long time ago because of that. I did play it recently, two or three years ago, and made it pretty far in but i think i got sidetracked great game oh yeah great great rpg it has standard rpg fares that you know over overworld view over uh so top down overworld view the battles are are pretty unique the battles go side scrolling and yeah. you're, on a two, you're on a 2d plane with your characters shuffling left and right uh they can control automatically on their own or manually with some pretty good ai and you just gotta kill the enemies on screen, and you'll and you'll gain experience and gold and level up like a standard RPG. But it's not just you know attack magic item. It's you know move your character around, do moves, mm-hmm. do things. Yeah, this was my first Tales of game. I didn't even rise as a series for the longest time, and um, it's one whenever I hear about it, I at least throw it on my wish list, and I have a backlog of these to play through. Oh yeah. Um, I've started a couple others, but haven't finished any besides Tales of Destiny. Yeah, uh, this was another one of my go-to RPGs back then. I would mm-hmm. sit there and play it. Um, I have a very specific memory of this game. I don't know if I talked about this. I might have talked about on the podcast before, but I uh, I played this game through a hurricane. Oh wow! <laughs> we were. We, I think we even lost power at one point, so I was playing on generator power. Um, but I, yeah, I sat there playing through it while there was a raging storm around me. That was yeah. what I did because, you know, there was no school. There was nothing going on. So I just sat there and played this game. Um, good. I don't even remember a whole lot about the story, but I remember enjoying it. Um, mm-hmm. It was really that side-to-side combat that really drew me to the game and kind of stuck me to it because it's so different mm-hmm. it's so unique yeah hey you know what video games can be charm can uh can be calming in a storm so <laughs> i can totally understand that and yeah especially with the side scrolling combat i mean it's standard fare for most everything else folks but that combat is really unique and uh the puzzle there is a the reason why okay, People are saying, wait a minute, stop, stop. You were stuck in a castle. What, you couldn't find the fucking door? Well, there is a hefty amount of puzzle uh, puzzles in Tales of Destiny. Uh, 
think of uh think of wild arms if you want to if you want a comparison you know lots of lots of level design that revolves around puzzle solving and plenty of puzzles in that game i have i do wish to go back into tales of destiny and start all the way from scratch and go through that game in its entirety uh i that was my plan a few years ago i just got severely sidetracked it's unfortunate because i was enjoying that game it's it is fun it is enjoyable even to this day yeah Tekken 3, I feel like I should talk about Tekken 3 more than any fighting game on this list because as far as the PlayStation era is concerned, this was my top pick for a PlayStation game. This uh, fighting game, sorry. This is my quintessential Tekken uh, game from back in the day. I'm sorry. Let me scratch that. Uh, Tekken Tag Tournament is kind of my pick, but I I like Tekken (laughs) 6 and 7 as well. Uh, Whatever. Uh, This was my first (laughs) Tekken. That's what I meant to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a friend in high school that very much into fighting games. He played a lot of Tekken, played a lot of King of Fighters. Really wasn't too keen on Street Fighter stuff, but loved Tekken and loved King of Fighters. And uh, he had Tekken 3, and he was like, you've never played a Tekken game? Well, here, take this one home with you. And he let me borrow Tekken 3. And uh, 3D combat, the music, the graphics, the combo systems... Uh, even the silly freaking mini games like the volleyball and the side-scrolling uh, action uh, beat-em-up style game, I-, I had way more fun with Tekken Three than I've had on pretty much any fighting game for the PlayStation period. Hmm. Uh, as all fighting games, it rolls into the same category. I didn't have anybody to play against, so once I unlocked everything, I kind of kind of moved on. Once I moved, got some combos down, I moved on. I will say that the ending cinematics for Tekken 3 were pretty cool. Point of fact, Brian Fury had one of the coolest fucking ending sequences I'd ever seen for a fighting character. Uh, he's running down an alleyway and getting shot at by some soldiers or something, and a fucking tank shoots at him, and he jumps on the tank and rips the top of the tank off and throws <laughs> it at the fucking guys, and his laugh that <laughs> I still I ha- I copied that laugh and still do that laugh to this day. Uh, I always picked Brian as the character to play as, and I know like two combos uh, of his. But I suck at fighting games, period. So I never got good. But I always liked his character. <laughs> always liked his character. I also, point of fact, I didn't realize till almost Tekken 4 or 5, not even directly related to that game, but just from lore, I didn't find out until then that apparently he's a zombie. So crazy. Crazy stuff. Hmm. Tomba. Chris, I played Tomba. I played a few levels of it, but you yeah. are far better equipped to talk about this game than me so please oh man what a fun random ass game (laughs) so tomba is a side-scrolling platform puzzle game sure sure (laughs) i i have never beat it um in fact it's one of those that's on my list i have to go back and beat it because it's so frustrating that i never managed to do it Mm -hmm. um and it wasn't for lack of trying uh, yeah. I first had this game as a demo disc, so I literally could not progress past one of the earlier points. But then I got the full game, uh, and I was like, okay, now I can sit down and do it. And it's like, oh, God, I have no idea what I'm doing, what I'm supposed wow. to be doing. Um, you go around collecting items or doing objectives and this and that. And some of it's pretty straightforward, especially early on. But then later on, it's like, 
uh, or there'll be like a place you can't get to early on in the game and you're always thinking like, okay, can I go back there? And you go back and check. Nope. How about now? No. <laughs> when will I ever, ever be able to get past this point? When can I open this door? <laughs> and uh, the one I'm thinking about in particular, I don't know that I ever did. Um, I don't know how many hours I put in this game, but it was one of those that I restarted a lot. I don't even know if you could save this game. So mm. that may have been one of those things. Uh, it was PlayStation, though, so you should have been able to. Mm. I don't know. I don't remember. I, I don't know. It it puzzles me to this day, this damned game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, but it was so fun. And it, it was, again, one of those just fun kind of cute games you know your main character you're a feral child yeah (laughs) with pink hair that jumps on pigs who are you know your main opponent throughout the game yeah (laughs) at least as far as i saw (laughs) yeah all right that's kind of how i felt with mischief makers you know you were it was just you had these cute little enemies that run around panicking around the screen and she walks up and grabs them and shake shake and you're like okay what what am i doing why am i doing this but the gameplay is where it's at, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Only a couple more left. Turok Dinosaur yep. Hunter. I have played this game recently. Not the original N64 version. There is a version on Steam. I It will take you a bit to get the controls set up properly and all that. But, yep, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I loved this game back in the day. It's a first-person shooter where you have... Uh, yeah, you got a bow and arrow, but you have guns, pistols, rifles, all kinds of weapons. And it's a first-person shooter where you shoot people and dinosaurs and monsters and aliens and shit later in the game. Um, I will admit, honesty, I don't know if I've ever beat this game entirely. I've gotten pretty far in. I think there comes a point in the game where it's almost like a hub scenario where you kind of you, you go through a level two or three levels and then you get to this hub area and then you can branch off and select where you want to go that's mm-hmm. about as far as i've got to in the pc re-release the pc version i'm playing now uh but even to this day as old as it is just the 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 music the setting the 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 combat i mean it's basic first person shooter stuff folks there's nothing that's wildly out there but i it's it's it has its own unique charm for me and i i enjoy it even to this day um, I see that you was, have played this as well. Yeah, I actually had to change it because I completely missed this game when I was reading through the list. Um, <laughs> did this have a multiplayer mode? I believe it did, but I don't know if we ever played it. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know if I ever played it either, but I, I remember playing the game yeah. at least a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Another cool thing about this, which is something that most of these games have done at this point, uh, Doom 64 is, is a good example as well. I, well, I don't know if Doom 64 did it or just had it, but uh, it had a, a way where you could take the map, and it was like a wire frame of the map, and you just have it overlaid while you play. It's like over your screen instead of just down in a corner. So mm-hmm. I thought that was that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I never beat it. I, sh- I should, uh, I think it has like cheat codes and stuff too for big heads and stuff like that. Uh, I, I remember having more fun with it than I, than I could admit having beat it, but yeah, good game. I, I enjoy it. It's not the greatest first person shooter ever, but for whatever it is, it's a, ap- it's appealing to me. Last sure. on this list, uh, WCW versus MWO world tour. 
Okay. There is I I I, I wish I could channel Wooly and 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 Pat right now <laughs> because there is a type of the there's an engine that this game is based off of. Uh, I, I almost had it, Chris, when I was saying that, and it came in my mind and just flipped <laughs> away, and I have forgotten it. It's like the Ho- the Hori engine or something. I don't know. The, the, I'll take a look. The wrestling engine that this game was designed around, there are several games that are like this. I mean, it's, it's almost cut and paste. You can put... The, the character models are almost cut. They're just almost similar, and you just make the skins different. So they took the skins from WCW and NWO characters and plastered them on here. There are multiple characters you can pick from, and almost all of them have unique uh, move sets. And you just get in the fucking ring and wrestle. You have meters for stamina. You have parts of the body that can get weaker. Uh, and you have all the standard uh, gameplay mechanics that are there for wrestling games. Most notably, the one me and my friends played the most was like the uh, the uh, like the battle royale kind of one. That's that's not mm-hmm. what it's called. What, what's it called? The Chris? Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble style version. Yeah, where you just keep having players come in and come in and come in. I. I have played I played this game so much as a fr- as a kid with with all sorts of friends. I remember going to somebody's house one time. Their parents had bought a WrestleMania and before WrestleMania we got we played this game for hours on end. Watched the WrestleMania and we're talking typical teenage kid shit here, Chris. There was pizza, soda, uh fucking video games, candy, all that. We're playing this wrestling. We're playing this game. We we the, we watched the WrestleMania thing. Have fun two or three hours with that. Stop playing that. It's nighttime. We go back to playing this game. More pizza, more candy, more soft drinks. Like another another childhood game. And all around a very simple but very, very entertaining wrestling engine. So, lot, lots of memories with this game. Lots of fond multiplayer memories, too. Uh, it wasn't the only 64 game that had this, either. There was there was like a WrestleMania one. All sorts of... And wrestling games in general. I mean, there's, there's customization level out the ass today. You can make wrestlers any way you want to. It's definitely an unsung franchise in the video game world. I have partaken in it. I played a uh, Xbox game let me make characters. And I did, uh, actually, on my first deployment in the desert. Made lots of wrestling characters. But uh, it's something for people to check out. It's, it's definitely fun. And the more players that you get involved in this, you know, four or more, oh, yeah, definitely fun. Mm-hmm. Aki Engine I come, just came to mind, the Aki Engine. I'm not looking. Oh, that was the name of the company. Okay. I didn't realize okay. they named it after themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there there we have it, folks. Long list. Uh, let me look at the time. Holy crap, we're right over three hours. That's, uh, yep. Yeah. I knew it. I knew it was going to be a long one today. Could you imagine if Adam was here? Holy crap. We're talking four, four and a half hours, man. <laughs> might have been uh, the two-parter. Yeah, it might have been. But there you have it, folks. That is the end of Timecast review of 1997. Uh, 
what additions to any game that we brought up or any of the little few news articles that we brought up that you would like to add? Did we not talk enough about Star Fox 64? Was there more to the original Fallout? You know, did it, did, did Chris do, you know, an unjust job? There's just way more than these we brought up. Uh, you know, what about Marvel Superheroes versus Street Fighter? That was a big thing for you, right? Because that was when Marvel was really getting into the game. What what changed? What did they add? What 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 really happened in that merger? Like what made that merger happen? Uh, are there any games that were in 1997 that weren't talked about? Trust me, there were hundreds that you want to talk about that were important to you, especially if they're like childhood memories. Like, hey, man, here's this game that I played. Nobody else in my neighborhood played it. None of my friends cared about it. But this is like a fond memory game for me. And this is why. we. I love to hear stuff like that. I love to hear your memories of, of staying up all night playing Goldeneye. Or your first shocking moment when you got to play Mega Man X4 and got to play as Zero. How many cars did you make in Gran Turismo? You know, I, I, stuff like this is awesome. It's awesome to hear. It's awesome to have good conversation like this. Uh, and there are many ways that you can get this information to us. You can go to Facebook and you can search for the End of Time cast. It may be how you found this episode right here. Uh, you can message us through there. You can uh, post on a wall. However you choose to do it, it's fine. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we have an email, so you can email us at endoftimecast at gmail.com. That's endoftimecast at gmail.com. No funny numbers in there or anything. Just spell it as you heard it. We have a Twitter page. You can tweet us, retweet us, post on the wall there. However you choose to get a hold of us. There are also a myriad uh, other subscription, uh, not non-paid subscription services that carry the End of Time cast. You can leave comments there. There are many ways to get your feedback to us, and we would love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to read your email here on the show, and we'd also like to talk about it. Uh, I love hearing memories. I love talking video games, and I love to hear more people that like that have uh, great things to talk about, great memories to talk about in the video game world. So yeah, a long one, but hey, that's that's fine. That's what we're all about. That's going to do it for tonight's episode of the End of Time cast. And until next time, I'm Michael. And I'm Chris. Good night, everybody.